Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Everybody, it's April 3rd, 2019, otherwise known as New Comic Book Day, and welcome to the Talking Comics Podcast. You're listening to episode number 384. I am your host, Steve Say, and joining me this week are Mr. Bob Breyer. Avengers Assemble? Joey Pacino's here. It's the end game, brother. And Jessica Schaefer. Hello. 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 All right, yeah. Uh, so, Avengers Endgame. Let's talk about it. That was a thing. Broke yeah. the internet. Literally. So, I've been asking Bronwyn for the past several weeks. Or not asking her, but like basically having a conversation with her and being, I wonder when tickets are going to go on sale. Because I need to know, you know? <laughs> like, I need to be there, and I need to purchase them, and I need to make sure our friends go, and all these things. And I was, it's so close, how have they not released these tickets yet? So I get up before my alarm this morning to go and use the bathroom. And I see this tweet from one of my coworkers and he's like, it's on. And I'm like, Oh my God, I had no problems uh, getting our tickets. But then I saw a bunch of stories that people were having a lot of trouble grabbing theirs that evidently like Fandango and Cineplex had uh, glitched out. Because there was, they were so inundated with people trying to buy tickets that it just like smashed the website to pieces. Mm-hmm. So congratulations, uh, Avengers Endgame on that. And most uh, most pre-sale tickets sold in the first six hours for any movie ever. Yeah. So I'm money. A, I'm an AMC A list member. Thank you very much. Oh. <laughs> Oh yeah. um, mm. yes, hey. oh yes, and uh, I tried good, to get onto the AMC app because I thought like, oh, you know, it's not Fandango; it's a specific website for a specific theater chain. I'm a, I'm a, I'm like one of the members of it, so like you know, Stubbs members, whatever you think you'd get like in easy and and be able to book your tickets. I couldn't. I tried all day. It was like network failure all day on the app, and oh, it wasn't until sucks. like six, like six o'clock tonight. Um, that I was finally able to like get in and like lock in a seat for that Thursday night uh, perform uh, performance Thursday night uh, <laughs> showing, and um, it was already like totally booked out. I was able to get like one seat front row, baby. That's 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 the benefit of doing the front row seats. Ain't nobody else gonna get those front row seats, <laughs> yeah. um, especially not for something that's gonna be three D. I don't know how you deal with the three D being in the front seat, man. But, but it was even the front row was like packed, so I was able to get like one of the last like three seats in there. And then after I got the 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 ticket, I tried to like log into my account to like see if it was there, and it network timed out again. So like still, it's still going through problems all day. But oh, hey, man, man, it's awesome. Wow. 
Yeah, we, uh, <coughs> excuse me, I managed to get five tickets together. Uh, so it's going to be me, Bronwyn, Jess, Dan, and Sarah. That's crazy. Uh, all going to the it. show. Uh, we have a 645, <laughs> 645 on wow. Thursday night. So first showing, we're we'll we'll be there on the ground floor when that movie goes off. So <laughs> I took the day off of work. I am I am ready. We'll probably watch Infinity War uh, that day. We'll brunch yeah. over Infinity War and then go and see uh, Endgame and make sure that everybody uses the bathroom before they sit down. Three hours. <laughs> movies. Three. I even hours bought new T-shirts. Long. Like I bought new T-shirts to go and wear there. Like, <laughs> wow. And like I, I remember. I'm excited. When I saw Infinity War, I, I had to pee about twenty minutes in, and but there, it, it's impossible. You can't. You don't do you, it. I couldn't. I couldn't leave, and I was just like, okay. It's like you're your own Avenger now. You're your own superhero. <laughs> Let's power through this, man. Um, Bob, do you have? Are you gonna try to do pre-sales? Do you have any plans to go and see uh, Endgame yet? Uh, Bobby took care of it. Nice. Did he? As, as a as a as a birthday thing. Yeah, he decided that he didn't. He said, I don't mind Sayville, but we got to see this one somewhere big. So, yeah, 7 o'clock, Island 16, big, the big Fantastic. theater. Fantastic. Oh, yeah. you're going to the big theater. Going to the big house. Yeah. Mm. And you, I, I watched the trailer that they released when they released the, the tickets. I did, too. You did? did too. Yeah. Oh, so did the dog. So did Dex, yeah. <laughs> um, they show a lot. They show a lot in there. How, like how yeah. much? I mean, okay, too much? N- no, I I can't tell. Because here's the thing about this movie: I know literally like li- we know nothing about this movie. Like I have no idea what's gonna happen in this film. So like they're showing us things. It could all be in the first twenty minutes of this movie. All this crazy shit goes yeah. down. You know, mm-hmm. like the way that like there's all this like rumors about time travel and the quantum realm and all this crazy stuff in this movie. Like, who knows how this film's going to play out? And it's got three yeah. hours. They've shown maybe two minutes of footage from it, you know? Yeah. And uh, even though there's some shots in this in this li- latest, like, trailer, quote-unquote, that are really, like, powerful and moving and people are freaking out about, there's no sense of the context. There's really no sense of, of what this movie's going to be. It, I'm so excited for it. It's crazy. So I should have watched it, is what you're saying. No. I don't know. Part of me wishes that I had seen some of these images for the first time in the film. I have mm. no context for some of them, obviously. But uh, uh, well, here's the thing: could the context change it for the negative? Depending. Oh yeah, who knows? I don't know, man. That they second trailer. Pro- Go ahead, Bob. Uh, Go ahead. No, th- there are two moments particularly that you know have you choking up a little bit, mm-hmm. and and <gasps> yeah, but. If, if it's but you don't know if time, they're in there at all, right? Or yeah. backwards, backwards in time, or somewhere forward, and it means nothing, and it's it's it could be an illusion. And uh, who knows? Oh my! None God. of those scenes are in the movie. It's who, all lies. You know, I wouldn't put it past them. Well, that's actually all been. I've read a couple things that have said like they're really they're really stretching it, and a lot of those scenes may not actually be there at all. It's yeah. a conspiracy, it's, man. And they're doing um, it on purpose. Yeah, but. I had heard that they were only going to be pulling from the first 15 minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether they've managed to do that uh, at this point, I, I obviously I have no idea. Yeah. But uh, it should be interesting to see how 
everything like I think if you look at Black Widow's hair, she's got three different lengths and or styles or colors of hair that 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 was, I think, part of where the time travel stuff came from. Right. So it's also I I read a review review, read an interview (laughs) with the Russos where they were saying, you know, we tried to do show less and Disney wanted to show more. and, And they kind of like met in the middle a little bit. Um, it, what's so crazy about this film is that, like, and I'm doing the rewatch, and I'll talk about it during the lightning round. But like, this is movie 22. <laughs> like, it like the last trailer, Steve. You mentioned trailer two was like mm-hmm. all I needed when they were just kind of showing like the back, like the the old footage from the old films, and using all mm-hmm. the kind of context and things like that. Like. That's all I needed, and I kind of wish that this re- most recent Endgame um, first look or whatever they're calling it didn't come out. With that said, it, it got me even more hyped to just see how everything falls into place, man. Like, I feel like I've grown up with these people. I don't know if I should watch it. I can't decide. Don't watch it. Don't watch it. Don't watch it. All right. I won't. We all know I'll try, I'll try it, not to. But you can watch we all know you were going to. Yeah, but you're gonna yeah we, we, you will. You're going <laughs> to break honestly, out and watch it. Like. To tell you the truth, like I didn't even it didn't even occur to me throughout the entire day. Like, I just mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't even think to watch it. They were like, oh, it's a thing. And I'm like, eh. And I just moved right past it. I don't know what was going <laughs> on. I, I am a little bit out of sorts, uh, as I think a, a few of us are. Uh, we're just falling apart everybody <laughs> one day it's just gonna be us dead talking into the <laughs> microphones for you i'm missing pieces like we're just gonna be falling literally falling apart soon whatever yeah. it takes whatever it takes um and i promise we are getting to some comic book stuff um you know how it goes this is a little bit of banter in the beginning of the show but we are talking about comic book related stuff such as shazam comes Shazam's out coming out this week <laughs> this weekend and i have to say I am very excited to see this movie. I have heard nothing but good things from people that have seen it. And they, they've all told me like, you need to get pumped. So I think it's, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And I like, uh, I like that Zachary Levi. He is a, uh, a gentleman and a scholar (laughs) and handled, handled his, his Captain Marvelness, uh, quite well. With uh, with with basically appealing to the masses and being like, hey, there can be two. Mm-hmm. It's all right. They can both be amazing. It's fine. It's just more money for everybody. <laughs> Less money for you, but more money for them. That's how it works. They get you hooked on the superheroes and then they take all your money. Uh, who else is excited about Shazam? The dog. My the dog. dogs. My the dogs, dogs are, are really excited about that. Oh. <laughs> gonna murder there's gonna be death tonight okay i'm gonna put it to you that way. little little doggy death oh my um, god up wow. in flames wow they're very angry today steve um, knows what i'm talking about give me give me a second hold on <laughs> sorry i gotta right. say uh, with shazam go ahead, um i i'm also very excited for it i've heard very very positive things i was putting together the book list for this week and everything and there's not a lot of like fanfare about shazam this week on the release schedule and usually maybe i'm just used to how marvel does it where it's like ant-man and the wasp here's 17 ant-man books for you to read this week some some reprints and some dollar books and yeah here's here's the the comic based on the movie yeah so I, I, i was a little surprised when i was putting the list and there's really nothing really coming out shazam related this week 
And I'm not I'm like, yes, the reviews have been overwhelmingly positive and the trailers have been out and there's the big billboards in, in Times Square and things like that. But I, I feel like there hasn't been a lot of a lot of like buzz around this movie. And it's, it's kind of upsetting to me because I've heard such positive things about it, you know, and I'm really excited to see it this weekend too. And talk about on the show and all that. Um, but I, I was a little surprised by how quiet things seem to be Mm. around, around Shazam right now. How much TV do you watch that includes commercials? Not a lot. Okay. I just, I often wonder about that because, well, no, that's the thing. Like I, I have talked to people where I said, you know, I didn't see any advertisement for this thing, whatever movie it was. Mm-hmm. And then they would turn around. They would tell me, like, oh, my God, you couldn't watch, you know, Brooklyn Nine-Nine or you couldn't watch something NYPD, whatever, and not see the trailer for this every two seconds. I think somebody was complaining to me about that. Uh, the new Apocalypse movie with John Goodman, Captive State oh. or whatever it was like they, yeah. they couldn't get away from it. Every single time there was a commercial break, they were like, yeah. oh, my God, you know who could get away from it? Actual audiences. <laughs> ah, <laughs> there it is. Uh, I mean, I watch a ton of YouTube, probably more YouTube than I really should. And I got a lot of Shazam advertisements yeah. in between my my YouTube videos. Um, a lot of them, like every single one of them was Shazam. So mm-hmm. I did. I did see quite a few. But I also spend way too, many, way too much time watching videos that really have no context to my life. So <laughs> that's my own issue. You're on the bench, so let's you know, let's let's cut you some slack. Where where there wasn't a lot of it was during like Supergirl. We think maybe that would be a good place to put it. Mm. True. Very true. Yeah, I find that weird because that's you know, I, I don't know. I've said this before though. I think sometimes like their marketing teams are. I, I don't know what they do there. I really don't. <laughs> they, they confuse me very Actually, much so a lot of the time. Yeah. Uh, hey, on the Warner's front, did anyone see that uh, Mr. Sabrina has signed a big deal with Warner's? Roberto Aguirre Sacasa, five no. years for lots and lots and lots of money to do Warner Brothers stuff. Excellent. That's cool. Yeah. That's very cool. He's supposedly, supposedly sticking with the the CW stuff, but they're, they're already saying them. Not so sure about how the, the comic books are going to ever come out again. Mm. <laughs> of course uh, they're not. They're reprinting uh chilling adventures. Yeah. Uh, seven through <laughs> eight or whatever. And I saw it on the, on the release list and I was like, they're doing some new Sabrina. And I was like, Nope, it's just a nope. reprint of the last three issues. Yeah. That fooled me too. I went back and looked at the bag. I was like, no, it hasn't changed. <laughs> it's still there. The uh, the teaser trailer for Joker, the Joaquin Phoenix Joker, just uh, premiered at uh, WonderCon about a half hour ago, Ooh. and that's going to be online tomorrow. So that's something to uh, check out. And then there was a thing with Gotham where they had a, a, a trailer or a teaser trailer for their series finale episode, mm. and it's uh, Cameron Monaghan's like, full-blown Joker and it's in, it's it's like in the future, and he's like a balding Joker, and he looks demonic. Yeah, and it's it's, it's really really intense. I really like the uh, the makeup work, and he's uh, to be honest, like for all of that, that show is often ridiculous. I was watching it for a while, and I had like it was my candy. I had a good time with it, and I I, I stopped watching it for whatever reason. But um, he was always very good. Like from the start, what they were doing with him and the, the whole Joker evolution and whatever, uh, he was definitely a highlight of that show for sure. So I'd be curious to check that out once all is said and done. Yeah, I look forward to binging the last two seasons that I missed 
when it's all on Netflix, ready to go. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's almost like uh, was it Schumacher's Batman, but darker as in terms in terms of its like lunacy mm-hmm. and 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 weird portrayals of characters. But that's kind of cool. Like that's you know it's a, a lot of what comics are about taking characters and making new stories and changing them up and then if you want to put the toys back in the toy box you can or whatever um all right so avengers endgame shazam movie hype uh i went to a concert last night and i had a really good time you can check it out online i wrote a really sad (laughs) post about it uh we went to go and see failure it was bronwyn's first time we went to the phoenix theater uh phoenix concert theater in toronto and uh woof let me tell you something i tweeted this too the sound engineers people that work the boards are often the unsung heroes of live performances because let me tell you the opening two bands they're okay Hmm. but when failure came out that place came alive and they were insane we had a really good time i made a uh playlist actually of um all the songs on the performance that uh i might share with all of you in case you're interested along with something else that i will reveal later Hmm. anyway yeah Hmm. um well you know we might have some listener questions (laughs) and one of them is about batman and music (laughs) and i I made a playlist for it that you can all listen to because that's how i do it uh so we'll talk about that a little bit later we got lightning rounds a little bit of open discussion i don't think there's much in the way of news this week we just did it yeah we just did (laughs) yeah that was was the news uh but we got a ton of comic books to talk about so why don't we uh Go ahead and do that. Uh, Bob, would you care to go first? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, you have five minutes on the clock, sir, and go. I know I can't match it, but let's see how close I can come to the high mark that Sarah hit last week. First, <laughs> Black Widow number three by Jen and Sylvia Sosco, art by Flaviano, colors by Veronica Gandini, uh, shattered by... Uh, its own high water mark that were the previous three issues. This has been one of my favorites and just a remarkable breakout for both Natasha and the Twisted Twins. Fabulous character moments, wonderful dialogue, and just an engaging worldly plot make this a triumph. Invaders number three, Chip Zdarsky, Carlos Magno, Alex Guimaraes, and Travis Lanham finds Cap the Torch and Bucky at odds with nearly everyone as they attempt to quell the brewing war with Namor's Atlantis. This series is not just for those looking for nostalgic Roy Thomas stuff, but is a really wonderful take on both action and emotion in a modern story. Speaking of emotional content, Wonder Woman 67 has plenty of it thanks to writer G. Willow Wilson and artist Carrie Nord and Mick Gray. I know, right? Diana and Olfo Giganta are on the trail of Titans who are stomping through the Pacific Northwest. And there are some moments between Jacanta and Diana that are truly special. I've been sort of down on the Nord Grey art team, not so about Romeo Fajardo's fabulous colors, but on this issue, I thought they really stepped up and delivered some of those emotional, weighted moments that need to really complement G. Willow Wilson's script. Man Eaters number seven by Chelsea Kane, Kate Niemczak, Rochelle Rosenberg, Joe Caramagna. Oh, the chickens are coming home to roost at Maud's house. Well, maybe not chickens, but 
let's see, perhaps wear Panthers, girls with unicorn heads, tampon woman, and deadly moms. <laughs> so that's a plenty in my book. The gradual buildup that this story, as, as it's been regressing, has made Maneaters a story uh, really defined by attention to details, funny and otherwise, as even with all the outre elements, there's an amazingly uh, relatable core to this impactful yet darkly comedic tale. Moon Girl, Devil Dinosaur, 41, Brendan Montclair, Natasha Bustos, and Tamara Bonvillon puts the Bad Dream story arc to bed. Sorry. As Lunella takes Devil Dinosaur into the dream dimension where he has wings and a unicorn horn to help solve the problem of a human boy trapped who wants to escape but bring all the bad dreams with him. Colorful and clever as always, Moon Girl never fails to deliver. On the all-ages front, Marvel Rising number one, the start of a new five-issue mini written by Nyla Magruder, with art by Roberto De Silva and colors by Rochelle Rosenberg again. I thought it really a great all-ish, uh, first issue, for especially for an all-ages book. Doreen, Kamala, Miles, and they're, they're taking a tour of Empire State University, you know, pre, uh, oh, pre-semestery, I guess you'd have to call that. Uh, meanwhile, a whole cadre of jousting cars breaks out on the streets of Manhattan, <laughs> which leads to just a really interesting uh, denouement and some dastardly doings coming up, I am certain of that. Uh, what's What on the surface might seem to be just a simple homage to a long-ago timely kids book, but what instead is a mashup of the funny animal genre and superhero book, and Violet Veri, no less, was Ziggy Pig and Silly Seal Comics Number 1 by Frank Thierry, John Cirelli, and Jacob Shabbat, uh, Stephanie Renee on colors. The comedy team of Ziggy and Silly is broken up, but down on his luck, Ziggy's mom has a plan, a reunion special hosted by Dr. Doom, and apparently he's a big fan. I had just a blast with this. As how can you not love a book with the line, one does not unfriend Doom? <laughs> Finally, Fantastic Four number eight, Dan Slott and a cadre of artists, brings us the culmination of Victor's plan to enslave Galactus and eliminate the Fantastic Four as a little bit of a side note. Dan Slott, as expected, has to my mind completely captured the family adventure vibe that any FF book needs to have ring true to the past, but he also moves the series into the future as well with some wonderful wonderful notes of his own. Simply put, I couldn't be happy with how this series is progressing. And that's it for me. Hot damn. Wow. 35 seconds wow. left on the clock. There it is. There it is. Can we? Can I real quick just talk about how Ziggy Pig and Ziggy Pig and Silly Seal <laughs> Method Man was in the book? Yes. Method, Method, Man. Method Man is there. What? Okay, Method yes. Man. Yes. And that was my, and it's funny because on Sunday I was just talking to Bob about the Wu Tang Clan. <laughs> here he is. And there's That's Method Man. At a, at what is Method alley. Man doing in Ziggy he's, Pig and Silly Seal? He's Comic Con in the back of an alley. Method it was Man. the back alley Comic Con, right? The behind a closed laundromat Comic Con is what it was called. And he was there getting a, a comic signed. <laughs> but he's just like in the book. And it's like, you know, he's like really drawn like Method Man. And it's just like, wow. This is this took a turn. This took a weird turn that I didn't expect. Giant blunt hanging out of his mouth. No, there's no blunt, which is sad because there's because I'm sure that's a opportunity. I know it's a kid's book. Oh wait, right? Okay, whoops. I think it's supposed. It's 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 an illusion of a kid's book. This is definitely not a kid's book. There's some stuff in it. There's like a hooker in the hotel in the beginning. Yeah, no, there's there's something. It's a kid's book. I mean, at the con, there's a there's a guy sitting there. He's passed out, hobo man. (laughs) 
Yeah, pass out. Yeah. Right, there's a guy a, like dead. This sounds awesome. I need to read. Honestly, you kind of do. It was really, yeah. really awesome. Ziggy Pig and Silly Seal. All right. Yeah. I'm in. I'm in. I'm gonna. I'm gonna pick it up. Uh, let's see. What else do we got? Oh man, I have um, my name's on a lot of these. <laughs> well, it's like Bob's list. It just says like Steve, Jess, Joey, Jess, Joey, yeah. Steve, like yeah. next to everybody. Let me tell you about my experience going to the my local comic book store to pick up my copies of Man my my copy of Man Eater number seven. We buy Man Eaters uh, digitally and physically, and so I went to the uh, Heroes Comics, and it was the only comic in my bag for that week. So my friend Chris, known him for years, he hands me he hands me the comic. And I think I had him read the first issue, but I don't know if he moved on to the others. It might not be his his thing. But he asked me, and he asked me with kind of this face on. He's like, "You enjoying that?" <laughs> like, yeah. I was about to open my mouth and launch into my like, "Oh yeah!" Blah, 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 blah. And I open the damn book, and I meet for the first time Tampon Woman. <laughs> This, the tampon this the first time she's been around since the first issue. Covered in blood. And I just, I open, I open the <laughs> comic and I turn it around and I show him. I'm just like, I am very much enjoying <laughs> yeah. my friend. Um, yeah, that book. Ever, I, I was a little cool on it for a while. It took a, took a little bit to get going for me, but I think it was around like the the fifth or sixth issue it might have been the fifth issue something had something had clicked and i was like i was really on board um as was everyone else but it's like it's just cooking now it's it's a lot of fun it's so absurd and it's proud like Mm -hmm. it is such a it is such an in-your-face book it makes no apologies for its content or how it 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 might offend some readers Mm -hmm. and I, i i i'm having a good time with it I think it's a good time. I said yeah. that already. I'm going to shut cur- up. That courage is to be applauded. Absolutely. It's 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 wearing everything that it has on its sleeve, and it does a lot of really cool and creative things with its pages, its panel layouts, the way that they break the comic book up with like these little vignettes and ads and everything Poems and whatever. Yep. Yeah, it almost feels like like a multimedia comic as opposed. To, it almost feels like a like a magazine. You know, like uh, anyway, uh, really, really enjoyed uh, Man Eaters number seven for sure. Black Widow number three was another one. I read that. I put it down and like I announced to the room all of Bronwyn laying on the bed of me, <laughs> just like, damn it! I'm like, this series kicks so much ass. I hope that people are reading this and yeah. picking this up because I would really, really love to see them get a crack at that second arc that they were talking to us about and like yeah. some of their plans and everything because this is it's brutal and it's fun and it's just it's really good Natasha it's it's a really interesting uh take on the character and uh I think they're doing some really really wonderful things with this run for sure mm-hmm. Flaviano man yeah 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 that everything, is, um, like every everything about it, it's it's hitting all the notes uh, for me. It's really cool. It hit the ground running, and uh, it's delivering on all the promises uh, that they gave about the book. And I'm I'm really really happy that it's going as well. I just I hope that it's resulting in dollars <laughs> for for them and and yes. for Marvel. And Marvel takes note 
and says, you know what? Maybe this is a good idea to, to keep the Twisted Twins on this book and for this character. You know, mm-hmm. I hope they don't get nervous or anything like that. I'm sure I would have. I'm sure I would have enjoyed it if I didn't have a second copy of number two in my bag. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> James! <laughs> I don't know James if it was fault? James's fault. I think it was James's fault. Does he fault. listen to this it's always James. Yes, he does. And I love that. Wow, he knows that I publicly... In I the know, he knows. He knows. Actually, it's a joke now that he's like, I'm going to get publicly shamed. And I'm like, yes, yes, you are. <laughs> Everybody so, knows. I'm sure it was great. I hope you all enjoyed it. I read number two again. Which was good. <laughs> if anyone needs a copy, I have an extra. Don't worry. We're going to give out James's email at the end of the show. Wow. <laughs> Poor James. James, I love you. I really love you, James. You really are the best. <laughs> I did like to see that the cliffhanger twice. So yeah. that was good. Yeah. But there's a cliffhanger to three that is much more shocking. Yes. Holy mackerel. We won't, we won't spoil it. Don't, don't tell me. Don't mm-hmm. tell me, please. Uh, Joey, do you want to talk about Invaders for a minute? Uh, yeah, Invaders is cool, man. I, you know, I just, I love all the characters and it, it still blows my mind that, that Zdarsky's writing it, you know? Um, it's just so not what I would have, like, thought I was going to get. And it's great. It's a lot of history here. It's what I want from an Invaders book. You know, it's old school, um, these, these, these original characters, you know, it's Cap and Namor and, and the OG Human Torch and Bucky, and they're all doing this little intrigue storyline. And, um, I do wonder what its place is going to be in the kind of larger Marvel universe. Um, but for the time being, I love the characters, love the artwork and, and, um, I like the book a lot. So Mm. I'll be interested to see where it goes. I was, uh, I really enjoyed that scene where, Captain America is trying to intervene with the whole Namor thing. And he's like, you know, he's our friend and just got g- give us some time. And the commander is like, no, <laughs> just Weren't because you you're like an Avenger last week. <laughs> yeah. Friends with him. Like with the man who just murdered uh, American citizens on us soil, frankly, oh, yeah. captain, that's just, uh, just makes me trust you less. I was like, Whoa, somebody step into captain America. Yeah. And next issue is supposed to reveal all as it were. So we'll see. Yeah. If I had the time I'd put you, I'd, I'd be taking you into custody to find out exactly how friendly you were with this terrorist. Damn. She's savage. That's the best cap though, man. That's the best cap. Love it. I love it. Uh, yeah, very, very, very cool book. And uh, Fantastic Four 2, the the whole beginning of kind of Galactus being fused oh, so to, to, a, to a mountain and then <laughs> draining his, his cosmic energy. What is go- like Fantastic Four are back, everybody? Yeah, this yeah. is crazy. I'm not gonna lie, that was a lot. And I, I saw that, like, I saw Galactus like fused to the mountain, and I was like, that is unsettling to me. <laughs> like, I was, I was like taken aback by it. It's a fun book. I, I, we've said it time and time again, but I'm glad it's back and it's as good as it is. Yeah, Frank, for sure. Franklin still has blue hair, which is yeah. not so bad. He does. Yeah, this book's crazy. Yep. It's real good, and there's uh, there's some stuff going on at the end. I have no idea, but I'm anxious to find out. Yeah, Jess, I know you want to speak about Wonder Woman. I have been loving Wonder Woman, and I just wish there weren't really wonky boobs in it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> just, it's just I really I that's something that I love to draw personally. I really love the female anatomy, and I if you came to my house, like I have like half naked women that are drawn beautifully all over my house. 
like all over. Like I, I have to tell like people with children, I'm like, I'm sorry. There's like half naked women all over my house. Like, sorry, <laughs> like, you know, like, sorry, don't. But so that's, that's, that's just it for me. Like, I really am enjoying the story, but like, you know, there's a boob. There's not a boob. Like if you're going to draw big boobs, draw them big. If you're going to draw little boobs, draw just little boobs. Dan's house make of boobs. Them, yeah. Well, yeah. Just, just make them look flattering. They're just not flattering. And they're always like women have different size breasts on either side. A lot of women do. Mine are, are not exactly even but these are past the point you know they're like weirdly pointed in times and like there's some i don't know i'm just not not independent gravity Yeah, exactly. I, I'm just, and it throws me, it takes me out a little bit. I know we're going to have a little question, listener question yeah. about thing, but that, you know, it takes me out of it a little bit. So I'm, I, I think the expressions, like you said, Bob, were better this time. I think the faces were a little better um, in this issue, but you know, I am, I'm just not loving, I'm not really loving the art um, to go with how great I think the story is. I'm, I'm with you. I'm no, I, I just look back through, I see a couple of exactly what you're, we were talking yeah. about where there's there's one where they're sitting in the diner and Diana's uh, <laughs> the midpoint of her the top of her outfit is now not in the midpoint of her chest and it's so it's sort of like three sizes to one side or the other it's like how do you yeah. do that how do there's you do that exactly stuff. like yeah. there's there's a couple of things where they're like bent over and like their butts are like all the way up their back like i don't you know i, I don't know i don't know what's happening i'm not i'm not i'm not i think the story is really good and i'm really loving like the little love story that's going on between the the what you call it uh why can't i think of his name now the uh not the minotaur well he's he's the other guy the 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 goat guy yeah i like that's like kind of cute and stuff like that but i'm not you know i, I really like the story i just not a fan of the art <laughs> not a fan. you need to sorry. get zermonico back absolutely <laughs> sorry sorry it's all right hey you feel bad every have... time every time i say it i feel bad <laughs> Every time, just dig that hole deeper. Digging it deeper. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move on to another lightning round. Jess, do you want to go? Yeah, sure. Why not? All right. Find it. Oh, there we go. Okay. Ready? <laughs> sure. All righty. You've got five minutes on the clock and go. All right. I'm going to start off with Detective Comics number 1000. Oh. Wow. Um, art by everyone under the sun. <laughs> Greg Capullo, Jim Lee, Joelle Jones, a ton of others. Written by Paul Dini, Tom King, Brian Michael Bendis, uh, just so many more. Um, I'm going to read the little blurb from DC. After 80 years, it's here. The 1000th issue of Detective Comics, the title that literally defines DC. This 96-page issue is stacked with an unbelievable lineup of talent that will take you on a journey, journey through Batman's past, present, and future. Plus a sensational epilogue that features the first ever DC Universe appearance of the deadly Arkham Knight. But who is under the mask? And why do they want Batman dead? The incredible future Batman adventure begins here. Uh, as all of these tend to be, uh, this was like pretty special. If you're a fan of the Bat or just an occasional reader, I think you would probably enjoy this collection of short Batman stories. Um, you know, 80 years of the Cape Crusade, Caped Crusader is a big achievement and a book like this is a great way to pay homage to the world's greatest detective. Um, I have to say some of my favorites were manufactured for use by Kevin Smith and Jim Lee and Batman's Greatest Cape 
case by Tom King and Tony Daniel and Joelle Jones. Both tugged at the heartstrings a little bit, and they really gave a Batman fan like myself a little bit of the feels. Though I do have to say, I think all of the short stories were really well done, and all of the art in the book is kind of best of the best from all the artists involved. I don't want to go too far into each story, as they are quite short, uh, and I want to get let everyone get a chance to read this on their own. Really, it was a lovely pickup, and even at 10 bucks, it was 96 pages of content. Damn. And, yeah, and I felt like I was reading a trade, so even though it was expensive, I do feel it was totally worth the price tag. Remember, also, that this is the only the start of Batman celebrations. Keep an eye out for Batman-themed events all over the place for the next year. There will be events at Six Flags, theme parks across the country, as well, um, with some with Boys and Girls Club, and on the Cartoon Network. So yeah, the mm. pickup. Um, number two, Magical Beatdown, number two, Je- by Jen Woodall. Uh, so I am at this point where I have a love-hate with this book. It has a great little story going on for a young girl who, when provoked, turns into a magical badass here to kick all the S's of the boys who get in her way. Great premise, totally up my alley. I love the art style in the book. I, I will say I am a suck. I will say it again. I'm a sucker for that monotone Bende dot style. And when she becomes magical, the whole book shifts from blue to pink. It, it's great. But this time the book was eight dollars. What? <laughs> I wasn't happy when it was six dollars, and now it's eight dollars. I will say there are some more pages in the book this time, but a lot of the contents were just her swinging a baseball bat, and with a little bit of content in the beginning and the end. I have to say I'm a little bit on the fence. I I'm having a hard time getting past the price tag. It hurts the wallet a little bit. Um, I've stopped reading better books for this reason as well. So I'm sorry, Magical Beatdown. I, I really love the premise and the story, but $8! $8! $8! Anyway. $5? Get out of here. <laughs> 8 bucks, man. <laughs> anyway. Hexwives, number six. Uh, ben Blacker and Rika Andalfo. I, I love this book. I have talked about this book for the past three shows I have been on, and issue six did not disappoint me one bit. We met back up with our coven of super pissed off witches that they have found out <laughs> That their husbands have really been keeping them sated as housewives in a conspiracy to stop all the witches in the world. To hold back the powers of these women and keep them at bay. As each witch finds out what she can do, they decide what to do with the men. Do they let them live? Do they use them for information? Do they burn them all? Well, I won't tell you their final decision, but I will tell you this is the only beginning for this coven of wicked witches. I keep on getting mixed reports on this, too, on whether or not this is a miniseries or not. They're saying that it's ending at 6 and this is the last one, but it leaves on a page that says this is the beginning. So I'm not really sure. I truly hope that we get more of the crazy coven. Marika Andalfo's art was so perfectly fitting for this book, and it was absolutely beautiful. I really can't stress enough how well the artwork went with Blacker's story. It was really a match made in heaven or hell. Whichever one. <laughs> I will champion for this to be for there to be more of this book. And I don't think I'm going to be the only one, to be honest. I will su- say that I suggest reading all six issues together as it reads a little better uh, all together. I think it picks up. It's a little slow at the first issue and picks up towards the middle. All right. All and right. I'll last is Love, Death, and Robots, the Netflix Netflix animation anthology series. Now, I think Joey said he watched this, too. Um, Quickly, uh, this is a collection of animated short stories. It spans several genres, including science fiction, fantasy, horror, and comedy, world-class animation. Creators bring captive stories to life from a unique and versatile viewing experience. The animated anthology series includes tales that explore alternate histories, life of robots in a post-apocalyptic city, and a plot for world domination. (laughs) 
that's my time. Finish your thought. Finish I'm your gonna thought. finish my thought. Um, this was really just a flex of animation um, of what they can do in animation right now. Um, I, there's been like really rave reviews all over the internet, uh, but I thought some of it was hit. It was kind of hit or miss. Some of them were really good, and then others I was like, okay. The standouts were there was an episode with three robots where they are pretty much taking a tour and taking pictures of the world after we've destroyed it. The best. It was the best, and it was the best, and they're the really the end result. I'm going to spoil something, but the cats, cats have taken over, and they're like talking cats, and yeah, it was really good. Um, there was one about Dracula that was kind of weird, and there was a lot of like flaccid yeah. penis in Dracula that one. Peen. There was a lot of Dracula <laughs> flaccid penis, and the guy who does the voice of the soldier actually does the Soldier seventy six in Overwatch, and you guys know I'm a big fan. So some of the stuff was really like. Uh, a little off that he was saying and I couldn't like get like the video game out of my head as he was like yelling about like random weird shit it was <laughs> great <laughs> um, yeah. and there's also sentient yogurt that one was good I like that, that one, one was, it was just weird they create yogurt that takes over the world it's a cool little Netflix anthology if you're like yeah. into sci-fi and like heavy metal like you got a lot of heavy metal vibes mm-hmm. from like, way back mm-hmm. when um, it's kind of like the, uh, it was actually like originally supposed to be kind of the heavy metal reboot, and they kind of just settled on this love love what is it love death robots love death and, ro- yeah. love, death and robots it's it's yeah. definitely um, there's a it's there's a lot of a lot of sexy times in it. Oh. <laughs> That's what Dan said. The same. Me and Dan were talking to Bob on Sunday. We we're yeah. like, yeah, there were a lot of horny guys making this. That's what was happening. Like, yeah, like, oh boy. it kind of seemed like they cut out, like, right? Like, you, there was probably more. Yeah. And Netflix was like, dude, it's like, this is animated sex scenes. This like, you got to cut this something out. Like, yeah. It's like, yeah. Sneaking like some hentai onto, uh, onto yeah, Netflix. Kind of. You know, there's one that actually, like, there you get a lot is, of that, that vibe. Yeah. It's like the yeah. space one. And um, <laughs> it's, 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 again, if you remember heavy metal, it's that. <laughs> like, it's, heavy metal, too, was like naked girls on dragons. Like, I remember yeah. that scene, yeah, you know? Like, it's what it was. Um, <laughs> but there, there are some gems in there. The Three Robots is, is, is a really, really good one. Um, I also sprung for Detective Comics. You know, I, w- I was hesitating on it, the $10. Uh, but you, you do get a lot of pages for it. And, um, yeah, man, if you're a Bat fan, it's 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 always cool. I, I did feel that uh, it, it's hard because it's, like, an anniversary issue. So they're pulling a lot of artists and pulling a lot of writers that, you know... Um, are these seminal creators from the Batman run with that said, part of me was like, Oh, comics don't really look like this anymore. <laughs> or like, you know, like, Oh, these designs seem a little dated, you know? And, and part of me wished that like we were getting some, some of the newer stuff, you know, like when Joel Jones artwork popped up in there, I was like, Oh, okay, here we go. This feels like where we're at now, you know? And, and the Tom King story too. Like I was like, Oh yeah, this feels like, where we're at with bat one bet with batman now yeah that was awesome you know that was really cute with them Um, taking spoiler they take a picture of like all of the bat family and it's like yeah it was really cute it was was very cute and and i you know like so i I was a great celebration issue um i was surprised at how batman like centric it was 
which is weird to say I know because it's Detective Comics. Yeah. But I've just yeah. like become more accustomed to Detective Comics being a little bit of a broader universe than just the Bat, you know? Um, like if this was like Batman 1000, I'd be like, give me 10 Batman stories. But I kind of wish that we had had some, some you know, um, other stories with some of the other characters. Uh, there's a great story with, um, I can't remember who, who did it, but it was like, it might have been Bendis. Maybe I can tell you. It's the one where it's like all the different Oh, villains. I think that was Bendis. Yeah. It's all the different bad guys. And yeah, I was yeah. like, I was I was turning the pages. I was like, here it comes. Here it comes. Here it comes. And then there was no Solomon Grundy. And I was I knew you were going to be. I'm not going to lie to you. I think that's part that. of the reason why I'm lukewarm on Detective Comics number 1000. Because Solomon Grundy Tom didn't show Grundy up at all. I was waiting. I was just waiting for you to say that. I read it. And honestly, Joey, I thought after, I'm like, ooh, Solomon Grundy's not in here. He didn't show up once. Not once. That motherfucker didn't show up once. <laughs> Um, and I, I, I was upset about that. They even like, they're even like Clayface killed a guy. And I was like, yeah. I thought Clayface was like, you know, right in the line a little bit. No, not in this book, evidently. <laughs> but it was great. And again, like you said, if you're a Batman fan, like it's, it's exactly what you want out of Detective Comics number 1000. Um, it's going to be a big year, man. Batman. Batman. Batman everywhere. Batman. 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 Oh, that was good. Yeah. The second the last one was pretty good. <laughs> oh boy. All right. Love, death, and robots. So wait until Brahman goes out on a date with some of her lady friends, is what you're telling me. Yep, and then boobs everywhere. Well, All right. You know what? No, honestly, it's Can't not just boobs. It's boobs and peen. It, there was a oh. lot of male nudity in it. Robo it was not robo-peen. just there was robo peen, there was regular peen, a lot of not, it was it was always very flaccid though. Yeah. <laughs> it was very like so me and Dan were joking about this because it's actually kind of hard to oh, animate no. genitalia. <laughs> this is a real thing. This is not a joke. Uh, okay. This is a, it's hard. So we felt like it was a little bit of a flex. Like they were like, look, we got this new like <laughs> we, we get got that new way that, that pretty, we can make this look realistic uh, and it's I gonna drink, you know? It was a pretty weak flex if they were like, look at these penises yeah. that we illustrated because <laughs> the, I mean you have to say some of the animation in that was wild. It was it I mean is, I yeah. was I you looked at it and you were like You know what it is the yogurt. I think the I, I don't know. I don't know how much the penis is a fun thing to draw. No, you know, it's, I, it's not exactly. Are you an kidding attractive me? The organ. penis is a fun ass thing to draw. Are you kidding me? Just drawing penises everywhere. <laughs> this is escalating. Yeah. Okay. We're gonna move. <laughs> I feel it's me too. It's it my show. fault. I'm always talking about penis or something, and I'm, I'm sorry. I totally apologize. No, that's staying. All right. <laughs> I'm fine with that too. Oh boy, Bob! Do you have anything to say about Robopine, or can we move on? No, we're we're done. We're, we're done here. here. Nothing to see here. All um, right. Uh, I apologize again. Sorry, it's my fault. All right. Um, I'm I'm actually gonna go next. Nice. And then Joe, yeah, I figured I'd uh give you a little bit more time to put your feet up. And uh, all right, so here we go. Five minutes on the clock for me. Go. Okay, I don't gonna be honest with you right now. I don't know how my lightning round is gonna go for this week. It could be a total flaming mess. I don't know. I tried really hard to find some books to bring to the podcast this week, and I failed out hard on at least three things that I was really looking forward to reading and was quite disappointed 
by all of them. Ooh. So, um, just tell a quick us, rundown. Tell us. I read I read Merit's Tidebreaker, uh, the new DC Inc. book from Daniel Page and Stephen Byrne. This was a book that was positively gorgeous. I love Stephen Byrne's artwork. Spectacular. I did not care for the characterization of Mera. And if I'm being quite honest, uh, about in somewhere in the third act, I wasn't quite sure if maybe there was a misprint with the book entirely and some pages were printed out and out of order because the story, for me at least, just completely fell apart uh, with stuff that arrived out of context or pages that were confusing. One minute she's deep in the sea. The next minute she's in a dry room talking to somebody. The next page, there's a giant crab on the beach and there's a whole army of Atlanteans behind it. And I just, I didn't know how we got from A to B to C in such a short period of time. And I even went back uh, a few times. I was like, what did I miss? Like, were the pages stuck together? Because there were a couple of those. But after like rereading the section a couple of times, I just I don't know what happened. Um, it's kind of a it's it's very much a feels like a Disney princess story with a Mera skin over it, and just not not a great characterization of Mera. It was not a not an enjoyable version of her to read. Uh, she's basically trying to kill uh, Arthur uh, the whole book. She's she's trying to take him out so that she can take the crown of Zabel and give Atlantis back to the people and stuff like that. But it's just. It just it doesn't it doesn't it didn't land well for me. So there was that. Um, I read Sabrina that uh, that graphic novel. I'm sorry, I don't I don't have the creator's uh, name in front of me, but uh, absolutely fascinating book that I I was just I was bored out of my mind. Like I I, I <laughs> hate to be so harsh, but that's how I felt about it. I wanted to finish it because I bought it. And while there's definitely some stuff to to kind of take from it and, and maybe even use it for like a class and a character study and a study about society and where we're at, uh, basically somebody's girlfriend goes missing and uh, a couple of months down the road, about two months down the road, it turns out that she was murdered. And the story is a very harsh look at kind of conspiracy theorists and social media and how an influential voice, let's say an Alex Jones can turn a story so much and be so in incessant about, you know, it's fake. These are actors, the, you know, uh, the whole crisis actor thing. Uh, you basically see that story and that narrative and, and you're spending time with the person who lost the, the girlfriend, the girlfriend was murdered. So you're spending time with the boyfriend and the guy who he's moved in with and he's kind of looking after and taking care of. And he's spending a lot of time in the house listening to these radio broadcasts. I felt like the story was going to go somewhere at some point. Unfortunately, it really didn't. So uh, that was a bit of a disappointment for me. Um, I can't even remember the third thing that I read. <laughs> I was going to mention because that's that's how that went. Uh, so it was a really off week for me, but I did read two things. And now that I have exactly one minute left, I told you this was going to be a mess. Uh, I'm going to read my things anyway. Water Snakes, created by Tony Sandoval. 
From three-time Eisner Award-nominated writer-artist Tony Sandoval comes Water Snakes. Mila is a solitary teenager ready to put another boring summer vacation behind her until one day, while swimming in a secluded river across town, she meets Agnes, the adventuresome girl who, as it turns out, is a ghost. Besides Agnes's gorgeous golden locks, impish features, and porcelain skin, Mila can't help but fall in love with Agnes's teeth. There's something otherworldly and mysterious about them, but that's just silly. Teeth are just their teeth, aren't they? Well, not if the guardian, guardian warriors of an ancient king are nestled inside each pearly white chomper. It takes no time at all for Mila to become fascinated by, Agnes's, by Agnes and her wild stories about being a ghost or housing an army of warriors in her mouth. And there's my time. I'm going to keep going. Uh, Mila figures it's all part of her new friend's wild imagination. That is until the day that Mila and Agnes share their first kiss, an event that promptly leads uh, to Agnes puking a black octopus out onto her own bed. The octopus is alive, and it's reaching for Mila, which is only the beginning of her very strange new friendship with a dead girl. Uh, so that's my little synopsis for this. I will tell you right now, if you're a fan of surrealist fiction, uh, Jess, I'm looking at you. Sorry. If you're into if you're into surrealist fiction, uh, very much in the vein of of Amy King and uh, Water Snakes, it's the graphic novel for you. Not only does the artwork evoke a Brian and Wendy Froud, you might know them from Good Fairies, Bad Fairies, Labyrinth, The Dark Crystal. Uh, they did a lot of stuff for Boom Studios. Uh, the artwork is very reminiscent of that. And there is this is the kind of book that I feel like I could read 10 times and still not uncover all of the kind of different ways in which the octopus and the warriors and the the kind of coming out of Mila's character and, and her being a loner for, for most of her growing up. And then she meets Agnes who is also a ghost and she falls in love with her for the first time. And they, they talk about their preferences and so on and so forth. And they share that first kiss and then something really magical happens and something chaotic happens at the same time. And they end up like putting on these animal masks and transforming and going off into this crazy uh, war down by the beach. And it's, it's just absolutely mesmerizing. So that was the thing that was kind of my saving grace for this week i just i just couldn't get it together i really tried i tried for everybody <laughs> um i'm going to talk about my other book during open discussion because at least joey and i have read it and uh my sincere apologies for everybody else who was prepared i've had a i've had a very off week this week hey man they can't all be winners <laughs> yeah oh, oh, a lot of know. books on the stands <laughs> Look, I look, I I was there. I was there Wednesday morning. I bought my copy of Mera. I was so pumped to read it, and unfortunately it just didn't hit for me. Yeah. And the same thing, same thing with Sabrina, you know, like Sabrina It's not when when Professor Carolyn Coca Eisner war winning Professor Carolyn Coca talked about it on the show. Um it's a it's a gra it's like a graphic novel. Like it is a thing. Yes. And you gotta be in the right headspace, and you gotta be ready for it. You know, like it's it's not it's not the kind of, it's not your. You know, it, it got a lot of accolades last year for some very specific reasons, and and well deserved because it is a very beautiful piece of of fiction. But 
Um, it's not for everybody. And um, I, I didn't read it for exactly the reasons that you were talking about. I, I, I looked at some of the pages. I looked, I, I read some of the, the, the dialogue and I was like, it's, I, it's I just know that this is not going to be my thing. And it's going to be the thing for somebody, you know? And, and like you said, I think it's a, good uh piece to study for a lot of reasons but i I just it doesn't it it didn't strike my fancy either you know what it is like we do the end of the year stuff and we start looking at other people's lists to see what we might have missed and maybe we can you know read something really amazing and sneak a surprise uh mention in at the very end and then everybody's got to read it and you've discovered this thing and i saw this but i'm like you know i never read these types of things everybody's talking about this let me check it out um it's uh, Nick Drasano, uh, yeah. Dranasso, by the way, um, for the creator of Sabrina. And I just, like you said, the dialogue. There's so much of the dialogue where you're you're waiting for somebody to have a conversation that you can either relate to or engage with or feel some kind of tension, some kind of drama. And it just never got there for me. You know, there, there are a whole conversation where people are just like, hey. And then there's four panels of silence, and they just go, "Hey, and decompression, I, man." You know, yeah. I I would like this is the kind of book that when I read it, when I put it down, I said to myself, "You know what? I would rather see this as a movie. I would rather see like the Netflix movie of Sabrina as as opposed to to reading the graphic novel." But maybe it's just not my bag. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people have really enjoyed it. It's got, like you said, it's got a lot of accolades. Uh, I just don't know that that it was uh, obviously didn't land for me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, man, I did not. Mara was not good. That's right. I don't. I don't normally bring negative opinions to the podcast, but like, I just it wasn't good. Welcome to the dark side. Uh, but it makes me nervous for that line, and it makes me nervous for for Catwoman that's coming out because like mm-hmm. I I love this stuff, you know. I, I I love supporting these female characters, and obviously not everything has to be amazing. And maybe this isn't even for me. I just. I opened it and there was a character that entered the the book and I was like, oh, who's this? I don't know, this character. And almost the first thing out of their mouth, I just went, oh, God, no. Don't, no, don't be that. No. And it didn't end there. And Mara is, and Mara is unlikable in this. She's just flat out unlikable for me. And, and, and that made it very hard to get through. You know, and this is a this is a young reader's book, more or less. And maybe, you know, obviously I am not the target audience for this stuff. And I, I was okay with that. Like, I was totally okay with that. I'm like, all right, like, I just, this is like a, you know, kind of like a Disney princess set up. And that's cool because I, I love Disney and I love all this stuff. But once I got to those couple of pages where I no longer knew what was happening or felt like I, like some pages were stuck together and the story started to fall apart, that, that was, that was when, when the straw broke uh, for me on that. So... They can't all be zingers, mm. in the words of mm. Les Claypool. All right. Joey. I got some good stuff. Save me, because I've just embarrassed myself for <laughs> the last 15 minutes. Here we go. You ready? Yep, go. All right. I caught up on Criminal number two and three. Uh, Edward Baker, Sean Phillips, and Jacob Phillips here. Um, I talked about Criminal number one. 
it was a different story. Criminal number two and three was a two-parter called Bad Weekend starring Jacob Kurtz. Jacob is a character who appeared in a previous volume of Criminal called Bad Night. This was Bad Weekend. Jacob just can't cut a break. Um, this whole story, Jacob Kurtz was a, a young Jacob. He was a former assistant of a comic book artist named Hal Crane. Now Hal is up for an award at a Comic-Con. He's had this illustrious career and... For some reason, Hal has called Jacob back up to assist him throughout the weekend. Um, it turns out that Hal is actually hired Jacob because Jacob knows some ne'er-do-wells. And Hal is looking for some artwork that was stolen from him. So they go into the seedy underbelly of Comic-Cons, if you will, back in the 90s. A lot of fun crazy noir there's a lot of great backups where brubaker's like look i'm not talking about anybody real at these cons you know like nobody was punching people in the bathrooms at the comic-con in 1997 um awesome book great two-parter really everything that criminal's about really dark really really depraved really really great um also read Glow number one by Teeny Scripslayer Howard and Hannah Saurus Rex Templar <laughs> with Rebecca Deadline Crusher Nulty on colors and Krista Barracuda Meisner on letters. Uh, super fun, super spunky with all your favorite characters from the Netflix series. A little less melodrama than, the, than, than on Netflix, though it's still in there. We get a little bit more whimsy with the comic book series, similar to what Boom does with the WWE books. Woo! Um, here the ladies think they have the weekend off but producer Sam has signed them up to perform at WrestleFest alongside some serious wrestlers well turns out in order to get there everyone needs to raise some gas money so most of this first issue is dedicated to all the crazy ways the gang tries to fundraise um, Templar's artwork is so so fun and Tini Howard is just a, a really great rising writer um, in the industry. I'm going to WrestleMania this weekend, so I'm super hyped. And I, I like I read Glow, and I was like, here we go. It, it's really great. And I, I love the Netflix series, so um, it was cool to um, uh, read the comic. Uh, one of my friends from Rutgers actually is on the Netflix series. Uh, she plays uh, Yolanda, I think was the name. She's really awesome, and she bought like five copies of the book. She was posting on on social media. She was like, "I'm so excited! I'm in a comic book." It's it's really cool to see. Uh, so proud of her for that. Um, I also read Bad Luck Chuck Number One by Leila Gwen and Matthew Dow Smith uh, with Kelly Fitzpatrick and Frank Shakovic on letters. Um, Charlene. Chuck Manchester has bad luck, and she's willing to use her bad luck for your good fortune. Disaster guaranteed. Uh, Chuck's real first name? Tashi. Tibetan for good fortune. Hilarious, am I right? Um, I know Dal Smith from the X-File books over at IDW with his pulpy noir style. It's perfect for what is really kind of an inverted detective story here. Basically, Chuck gets paid to go places and her bad luck leads to that place burning down or exploding or whatever. So people hire her for what you think. Insurance claims, whatever. Uh, someone hires her to take down a cult and get their daughter back. Things go bad for bad luck, Chuck, as there's an insurance investigator and some funky weirdness going on. So really awesome premise here. The artwork, like I said, is really uh, great, too. Some of the writing in this first year, uh, first issue is a little wonky. Some of the dialogue, you read it out loud and you're like, that doesn't sound like a person. Um, so that, that was a little tough, but I, I really am into the premise and I'll probably stick around for a couple more issues here. Now, the big thing that I've been doing this past week... 
<laughs> I'm just going to turn off your timer here, buddy. <laughs> is, I got through all the books I wanted to get through. Yeah, you're I, good. Go ahead. I have started hashtag MCU Rewatch 2019. Um, last Friday, I woke up in the morning and I popped in Iron Man number one. And then Saturday night, I was watching Avengers. So I got through the first six movies wow. first two, in two days and I watched Iron Ow. Man 3 yesterday. So I'm up to there. I stopped right before Thor The Dark World because Thor The Dark World is boring as hell. Um, <laughs> it's not bad. It's not a bad movie. Like I've watched it now a few times for these rewatches. It's just boring, and I just I knew I couldn't do it uh, before today. But anyway, um, I, I, I I'm loving it. I'm loving doing the rewatch. Uh, my my roommate asked me like, why are you watching all these movies again? Because we all we did the rewatch last year before Infinity War, and I I was like, you know, I, there's something about Endgame that feels like a finale to the MCU in a way. And I don't mean obviously just like the whole infinity saga thing. I think that that's, you know, they've come out and talked about that, but it just feels like with the Disney plus TV television series coming out, those like mini series, whatever. And, and you know, all these actors leaving If I feel like Marvel studios and the MCU and all that, it's going to be a very different makeup going forward and, and i don't know if you're going to get as many movies as you did before i don't know if it's going to have that same kind of connectivity that these first 22 movies have had i could be totally wrong on this but i'm just getting a vibe i just have a sense that that's coming down the line like you know why make three movies a year when i can do these awesome disney plus miniseries with these characters you know like I, I just have a feeling that this kind of event cinema isn't going to be around much longer especially as you watch all these other studios try and do these interconnected universes and crash and burn right um, <laughs> Universal's I, I, monsters. Yeah, yeah i feel like these 22 movies are an anomaly and i kind of wanted to watch them again to kind of get that sense so i've been doing the mcu rewatch and it's it's been really great you know i started with iron man i'm watching them in release order I think Iron Man holds up even more so now, and I think it takes on new weight knowing Tony's arc all the way through Infinity War up into Endgame. Mm -hmm. Like, I was watching that movie, and during the rewatch last year before Infinity War, I was like, you know, Iron Man's great. It's very 2008. It was kind of low on my list in terms of where, where it fell in my ranking. And then I watched it again, and I was like, wow. Like, this movie actually is so good it's well paced it, the cast is wonderful the writing mm -hmm. is great mm -hmm. like that movie is like 20 minutes background on tony stark 20 minutes in the cave 20 minutes recovery obadiah stain <laughs> like that's the movie and it just goes 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 and it was really moving actually and really interesting to watch it having just watched captain marvel three times in a row because like Iron Man 1 and Captain Marvel, you watch those back-to-back, -back and you're like, holy damn. Like, Captain Marvel, it, it draws a lot from, from Phase 1. And I love that about it. Like, uh, watching Iron Man and, and Captain America First Avenger and, and Thor and even the first Incredible Hulk movie, like, the, the Captain Marvel draws everything good out of those movies and, and really does a good job introducing Carol using those same tropes, including, you know, Iron Man and Incredible Hulk have these falling scenes 
And Captain Marvel has this falling scene too, where the hero is just falling, 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 falling. And, and there's something about that moment that awakens something in them, you know? And I was like, wow, what a, what a simple kind of like motif that you can trace through these origin films. It, it, it was so awesome to watch. With that said, Iron Man 2 still freaking blows. Like it is one of the worst movies <laughs> in the entire in the entire MCU. It is misogynistic. It is a bullying film. It does nothing for the characters. Like it, uh, what's what is good about it? Sam Rockwell's Justin Hammer, great. You know, um, uh, I, I do love Pepper. I think she's an awesome character, and there's some great Tony Pepper stuff in there. It introduces Don Cheadle. Like there's little moments from it that like you can take away, but oof that movie is boring it is a like aggressively like terrible uh in in kind of the jokes and humor it is it it does not hold up well um iron man 3 though is amazing that barrel of monkey scene is thrilling i love everything about that movie ben kingsley spectacular i i I, the the whole the whole that movie what shane black does with that movie stylistically is so great and and it has such Mm. an incredible core to it which which and i was talking um with my roommate we were watching it together yesterday and iron man 3 does everything that iron man 2 wants to do better you know, like it talks about legacy. It talks about who are you. It talks about, you know, how, what masks are you putting on to like maintain this hero stature. And that's everything that Iron Man 2 wants to do, but just totally fumbles in, in what, it, what, what it tries to be. It, it, uh, he, he, my roommate said it great. He said, Iron Man 2 thinks it's better than it is. Like it thinks that it deserves to do these great big thematic things. And it's just not good enough to carry that weight. Um, Iron Man 3 though is awesome and it is a perfect follow up to Avengers Captain America First Avenger is just mwah it's so good it is so different it is wonderful seeing all those little babies in that movie Chris Evans little baby Sebastian Stan little baby like it's uh, Haley Atwell so, so, they're so so good and the ending of that movie I had a date oh it just breaks your heart that movie is tragic Stanley Tucci oh so right. good. Tommy Lee Jones, so good. Everything about that movie is just spectacular. Um, what else? Oh, yeah. Uh, Thor is one of my favorite movies. I, I, I love it so much. Chris Hemsworth, again, baby. You know, like, you didn't know Chris Hemsworth before Thor. Now he's this huge movie star, but he's so funny, so charming. That movie is so well put together. Um, it is funny, it is goofy, it is epic, it is mythos and, and action and all wrapped up into one. Um, the cast is great. I personally love Natalie Portman and Chris Hemsworth together. I, I think they're great. I think there's a wonderful chemistry between them. I know people shit on, on Jane Foster all the time in the MCU. <laughs> I just don't get it because Thor 1 is damn good. I liked her a lot in the first one. I didn't care very much for her in the second two freaking sucks you know but um and the movie that i love and i will fight anybody that 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 talks shit about it is the incredible hulk i'm with you i've seen like i've seen that movie the last two times i've watched that movie like it is so surprising and it is so surprising because it is not it's not one of these movies that's tied into the mcu and 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 i think people don't like it for that reason I think they're like, oh, you could skip that movie. Nothing happens in it that's important. 
okay, sure. And and while that may be true because, you know, Ed Norton's replaced and, and whatever with Mark Ruffalo, like, it doesn't mean it's a bad movie. That movie is so different from the rest of the MCU. It is not a quippy film. It is not this kind of, it's not the Iron Man model. Incredible Hulk does something so different. Incredible Hulk is a quiet movie. Like, I was watching it this time and so much of that movie is just no dialogue. And it's looks and it's glances and it's this kind of like moody, like, music in the background like ed norton walking up the streets all sad and shit and i'm like this movie is so different from (laughs) the rest of the mcu but it still has those doofy moments like edward norton has an ice pack on his head at one point and he's strapped in this gurney and he looks ridiculous it's so funny and 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 weird in its own way but it still tells an incredible hulk story you know which i think watching those phase one movies and and as you watch the rest of the mcu like kevin feige and marvel studios whatever kind of movie they were putting out there they were telling stories that were true to these characters in a way that the rest of these superhero films never really did and haven't really done you know like that's what marvel's been able to do right they're telling stories that these characters are and you can draw a direct line from what ed norton does in incredible hulk even though stylistically and tonally it doesn't necessarily fit in with the rest of the mcu it's very much a melodrama and a chase movie and a horror film in all these different ways you can still draw a straight line between ed norton's hulk and Mark Ruffalo's Hulk in terms of the damage, in terms of the trauma, in terms of their doofiness, you know, like even though I think Ed Norton would not have fit in with the rest of the cast and Mark Ruffalo is a fantastic, you know, Avenger, like he's just great in those movies and I don't think Ed Norton would have been, it doesn't mean Incredible Hulk is a bad movie. Like that movie, like watch it on its own and it, it's, it holds up and it holds up more and more as I watch it. Like it is just a great movie. Music's great. The William Hurt's great in it too. I even like Liv Tyler. I think she's an awesome yeah. character as Betty Ross that would have fit in perfectly alongside Pepper Potts and, 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 Car- uh, um, uh, Peggy Carter and all these people, you know, she's just really, really great. Avengers is interesting. Sorry. I'm rambling about the MCU, but, Avengers is interesting. It does what it does. Uh, It it has the thrilling third act, and I think it saves it. You know, the Battle of New York is an amazing sequence in so many ways. But that movie is actually really convoluted. And you can tell that there's a lot of kind of square peg, round hole stuff going on as, as, as Marvel's trying to figure out how these characters fit together. And I think it loses some of its impact watching it now alongside the latter Avengers films, which just do a better job of weaving everything together. And, and you're watching movies, including Ultron and Infinity War and all that stuff and Civil War, movies that really know these characters and, and really know how to, how, to, how to fit them all together. Avengers 1, it doesn't, it doesn't gel as nicely. Um, and it's not as stable, and it doesn't really know what it is in a lot of ways. And, and I think something that's interesting to think about is, I don't, like Joss Whedon's, like, Joss Whedon directing the Avengers was a huge deal. I don't know if he was a good choice. I think it was fan service at the time, and I think we were super hyped about it, and it was awesome. But, like, if you think about it, the dude had only directed one movie before that. And a lot of his stuff was kind of like the Buffy stuff and the TV stuff. He was a cult guy. He was this kind of geek hero. And, and I think that that's why he got put on that movie. And he does a good job with it, putting together the um, action scenes and some of the quippy dialogue. But 
the script, the writing, it's 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 not that good, especially alongside some of the later movies. Um, it still has the awesome battle in New York, and Loki is incredible in that film. But I still don't know what red in, in my ledger means after ten years, you know, or, or six years. Like when 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 Tasha's like, I got red in my ledger. The first time you're like, I think I know what that means. The second time you're like, what? I don't what? I don't get it. <laughs> um, but there's still something thrilling about how that movie ends. Um, so I think it, 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 I think people forgive a lot of its flaws and it did something that no other movie was going to do in 2012. I saw it six times in the theaters, you know? Um, but I, I think now it's just kind of a, it's interesting watching it as, as that, that first step towards this awesomeness that, that comes later down the line. Um, I look forward to the rest of Phase 2. Obviously, Winter Soldier's been at the top of my list since it was released, so I'll be interested to see kind of where it falls now. Um, and I've always been partial to Ultron. I think Ultron is a better movie than, than Avengers 1, so um, we'll see how that goes. And then Phase 3 is... There's like 20 movies in Phase 3, man. Like, <laughs> oof, I don't know how that's going to go. But um, Phase 1 was, was a trip, um, especially having watched Captain Marvel, which feels like a throwback to those Phase 1 films. I admire your dedication and fortitude. Yeah, man, you got to do it. This is it. I've been I've been popping around in and out. Just I'll, I'll get to uh, some sort of sequence before the the new one opens. But I got to tell you, I'm with you about Incredible Hulk. Loved it when I saw it, and every time I see it, I see more. Edward Norton is so haunted, and yet there there's a there's you'll see in his face, especially when he's with Liv Tyler. There's an acceptance to what's going on once there's someone else there that he's. You can see the character struggling. Yeah, there's there's a great performance there. There it really is. He's a, he's an amazing actor. And as you say, I don't know that it would play well in a giant room of other superheroes. Yeah, but for for that film and that script and the characters around him, uh, the stuff with General Ross when they're trying to decide what he needs to do before his falling sequence. It's incredible stuff. Tim Roth is great. Yeah. And, and it does connect to the Marvel Universe because it's the super soldier serum. You see it in a tank, right, with the frozen stuff in it. Yeah. With weird, weird, uh, a timely thing. Uh, Professor Erskine was at one point Professor Reinstein. He was supposed to, it was sort of a knockoff on Einstein. And the little tag on the tanks mm. says Reinstein. So yeah. it's as if, okay, that's his code word for the army. We're just keeping that over here. But you get some great action sequences, and considering how bad the Eric Banner Hulk looked only a couple of years before, <laughs> this Hulk really works. Yeah. It's great, and like I, I it's it's very much a throwback to the to the lonely, lonely Hulk, you know, Bill Bixby stuff. Bill Bixby, and, absolutely. And I think it honors that really well. And I know that some people aren't, you know, fans of that that take on the Hulk and they want Smash 'em up Hulk, but there is a pathos to that movie that I, I, I'm just taken with every time I watch it. I, I am I am moved by it, you know. And it's a it's a crazy film. There's a there's like the first hour is this chase scene, you know, like it's it's a yeah. chase movie, and and it's it's all about Norton and and Tyler uh, Betty Ross and 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 it, and Bruce Banner 
on the run and and that's something that you haven't really seen a lot of and then there's also these like horror elements as you're expecting from the hulk it's a great it's a great flick i i really enjoy it and it is it has moved up and up on my list um and iron man 2 has just gone down and down and down that movie sucks <laughs> and by the way I think, I think i think at this point my favorite marvel movie is the first cap yeah that movie holds up really well yeah. it is moving that it's it's it is an epic that movie doesn't stop you know like it's like it's like long too and like they cover so much ground you spend like 45 minutes with scrawny steve when scrawny steve yeah. jumps on that grenade oh, oh tears there is tears. nothing better than that moment there is nothing better i love when he that. takes the pin out of the flagpole oh so good <laughs> scrawny steve Oh, uh, and, and and Tommy Lee Jones after he does this, well, he's still skinny, and, yeah. and Tucci gives him that little smile. Tucci's great, and like that's the other thing that like now they're booking, you know, Brie Larson, Oscar winner, you know, like they're Annette booking Benning, all these crazy right. actors. Yeah. But there was something going on in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, where people were like, Ed Norton's the Hulk, like what? That's crazy, you know. Stanley Tucci, <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones, they're in the Marvel movie, what? And uh, Kenneth Branagh's directing Thor, what? You know, like. There was that was that's what I was love happening. your average Joe voice. Yeah, you know, like I, I remember, I remember too when Marvel announced that Natalie Portman was Jane Foster, and it was like Oscar winner Natalie Portman and Jane Foster, and people were like, "That's crazy! What? Like, what is going on? What's going on here? A superhero movie?" And now people are lining up, kicking down doors to be in these films. You know, like so, it's just crazy to see how far um, that whole MCU has has come and. Uh, yeah, Joe Johnston and, and and Cap One is that's that movie is again a movie that there's nothing else like it in the MCU, and that's one of the reasons why I like Incredible Hulk too, and 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 First Avenger, and to some degree the first Thor as well. Like there's nothing else like it. Those Iron Man movies, they're the template for a lot of the uh, Marvel movies, you know, and you could definitely see that, but. First Avenger is its own thing, and that 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 was definitely a uh, that was a bold move to do that movie the way that it was, you know. Mm. Um, and and Evans is great, and and that 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 movie really is the linchpin that that jumps into Avengers one, uh, which is pretty crazy to think about too, you know. Like he did that movie and the Avengers back to back, and. First Avenger hadn't come out yet, you know. Captain America hadn't come out yet. If he had, if that movie had tanked, what would have happened? You know, like mm-hmm. that's what's cool about Phase One. Like none of that should have worked. <laughs> like any, at any moment, <laughs> that thing could have fallen apart. You know, um, and it's cool watching Iron Man Three after Avengers One because Iron Man Three is so sure of itself, and it really feels like after Avengers, they were like, this works. You know, these these characters work. We can tell stories that, that are genre flicks. You know, we can tell Winter Soldier. We can tell Iron Man 3. We can do Guardians of the Galaxy. And and it, and it, it'll fit. And and I think that um, that Phase 1, there's a lot of growing pains. But, but it definitely grew into something really awesome in Phase 2. Or not. I'll watch Phase 2 this weekend and, and let you know. <laughs> Well, that's about all we have time for. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And I'm jealous. I want to watch the movies. I did. Uh, Bronwyn and I watched Iron Man the other night. And I'll only say one thing about it because we've already talked about the movies a lot. But you could really, really see and really appreciate the growth of Tony's character. Thinking of that trailer and him being up in that ship 
and leaving his message for Pepper and where that all began and kind of rewatching his his playboy billionaire philanthropist genius uh, routine going on and just how smarmy he was and how I mean, he does he does have an ego. He does always think that he's right. Um, that never kind of goes away, but he changes, you know, and he loves and it shows throughout the series. And I, th- I think as far as a character that has a a really rewarding arc throughout the 22 movies, Iron Man and Tony Stark and Robert Downey Jr. Definitely, definitely one of the, the big notables for that kind of thing throughout the MCU. So uh, that's my contribution. <laughs> Knocking it yes. out of the park this week. Nice. <laughs> Jess, yes, you yes, watch, yes. rewatch some of these pictures? I watch them mind? actually all the time because I'm a serial watcher. I'm like one of those. So I've watched most of these movies like within the path like three months because I fall asleep with them. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I watch them constantly because I have them like Dan has them all set up, set up and I just like click them on and I'm I'm good to go. I watch the I'm one of those. I will watch the same movie like four nights in a row. I don't know. Comfort. Comfort yes. things. What is the most you've ever watched a movie in one day? In one day? I normally I won't do Go I ahead. Yeah, I normally won't do in one day, but I can tell you the movie that like is my comfort comfort movie is Beetlejuice. And I have watched that movie thousands of times. Yo. Just because I, I can just fall you know what I mean? Like I don't have to watch it. Like I could literally just take my glasses off and just have the noise of it. And I know what's happening on screen. I know every scene, you know, I know every scene and what's happening. So yeah, I've watched it thousands. I'm seeing the musical once... tomorrow night. I'm so jealous. <laughs> You're going to the Beetlejuice musical? Yeah, That's dude. open? Yeah, it opened yeah, uh, yeah. last week. Yeah, what? we're going oh, to go. Open. We're going to take jealous. Um, yeah. We're going to get tickets for Danny's mom for her birthday. I don't, Damn, I don't think it's going to be good, Joey. but I'm excited I know. to see it. <laughs> I know. I've seen a million ads. My Facebook is just like every other like thing is an ad for that. And I'm like, this can't be good if, they have, if they're paying that much for advertising. Are there any trailers for it? Yeah, there's what? a lot of they have a lot of content oh, actually. Yeah, and it I'm looks sure cute. Yeah, it looks cute. There's just no way. Let's <laughs> move on, Bob. Why don't you talk to us about Sabrina the Teenage Witch number 1? Number 1 it is. Kelly Thompson, Veronica and Andy Fish and letters by Jack Morelli. It's the first day at a new school for Sabrina Spellman and it's not going as well as it could. Now, mind you, she did meet an interesting new friend in Jessica Chang. Uh, also manages to update all the history textbooks, which is is a nice little little uh, spot. She has an encounter though with a rather full of himself young man named Ren that isn't so wonderful. It's not awful. We don't know quite yet. She her tete tete with the resident mean girl that leads to some. Well, her name is Radka Ransom, which tells you something. That leads to some really bad stuff, including after school detention. And a walk home through, dare I say it, chilling adventures. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Kelly Thompson, I think, completely nails the perfect tone for this series. It's about halfway between classic Archie comics and the TV Sabrina and the Roberto Guara Sacasa horror book. And we've got wonderfully expressive art by uh, Veronica and, and Andy Fish. I, I love this book. I thought it was a big win. How about everybody else? I want to nominate Salem for president. Yes. 
<laughs> I bet when Kelly Thompson got the word that she was going to be writing this book, one of the first thoughts through her head had to have been like, I get to write Salem. All right. That moment where Sabrina wakes up with Salem's butt in her face as a cat owner for most of my life, I've been there. And I imagine that his attitude toward it is exactly what every cat I've ever owned has thought of. <laughs> Uh, really, really love the vibe of it. Love the look of it, too. I have missed uh, the the fish artwork, if you will. And it looks to be offering something a little bit different. I'm glad that it isn't a doesn't feel like it was ripped directly from the Netflix show. Like you said, Bob, it's kind of a, a amalgamation of both. It's got a little bit of that Archie feel to it. It's got some of the Netflix Sabrina stuff, but it also has a lot of that Kelly Thompson humor and charm as well. And I, I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, Joey, what'd you think? I agree. You know, I, I read it because I've been kind of reading all those Archie, like semi horror books. I read blossom six, 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 you know, like, and I've been, I've been checking those out, all the relaunches out. And then I opened the cover and I was like, Oh, Kelly Thompson wrote this book? <laughs> like I was, Woo! I was like, okay, let's go. And Veronica Fish and Annie Fish, the artwork is just super amazing as well. I love when she's like, oh, my hair's too white. Let me make it blonde. <laughs> like put the little glamour yeah. on. Um, it's a cool book. It's a cool premise. I love the character, um, and I'm really excited for for season two of their the second half of the first season or whatever they're labeling it. I don't know of of the uh, part two, part two, season one, whatever of of Sabrina on on Netflix as well. So it's cool that she's you know, um, back in the, back in the zeitgeist as it were. She's also in the main Archie book too. A uh, big, big role there for those that have been following along with, with that relaunch, uh, with Nick Spencer, um, as well. So yeah, loved it. I thought it was a great first issue and I'll stick around for that one too. All right. Uh, Jess, did you check it out? I did. I did. And I just think Kelly Thompson was a really smart choice for that book. I just think her like writing style and her humor really come through in it. Like you said, with Salem and like she has that kind of good, clever, funny humor that could go along with the characters in that book. So I really I really enjoyed it. And I, I love I did. Joey, I'm with you. I love the little glamour thing with the hair. Like it's too white. Like they're going to pick me out. Like, yeah, like cause school is like that. And school sucks. So that's, you know, yeah. like school is good. Not 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 in that way. But kids in school sucks so I thought it was it had this little like you know you can connect a little bit with the characters and I've definitely worn like that black dress with like blonde hair about that length so I'm into it <laughs> I want to see those you pictures know. no 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 those pictures are hidden for forever oh. um, <laughs> uh, forever I have those too back to Sabrina I thought it was great like I said I think Kelly Thompson was a really good choice for it I really just I love her you know like the stuff with Salem with the butt in the face I was just yeah. like really dying and I really enjoy that and even you know like the just like her interaction with like the you know her friend and whatnot I don't want to spoil anything but it was just it was good I really liked it yeah which is forever yeah which is forever <laughs> That's our episode title. I'm thinking right there. <laughs> Which is forever. Uh, I'll talk really quick about a book. Uh, Age of X-Men Extremists number two. I don't want to leave this book out because this was a very, very powerful issue of a really, really cool miniseries. So uh, let me get the creative team for you here. Uh, it's written by Leah Williams and uh, George Genty for puzzle of uh, puzzles. Pencils. <laughs> Roberto Apagi for inks and Jim 
Cara uh, Cara Lampidus for colors. Uh, Clayton Callis for for letters. There you go. Every one of them was tough. Extremis is a offshoot or kind of a miniseries tied to this Age of X-Men thing that's going around, kind of the fallout from the uncanny X-Men big event that went down in those first 10 issues. And what you have here is Psylocke, Jubilee, Moneta, Northstar, and Fred, or Blob, if you nasty. And they're living in kind of this Age of X-Men aftermath where relationships and procreation and emotions toward one another have essentially been outlawed. And it's this universal thought that you're, you're not supposed to feel for your teammates. Uh, if there's children to be born, it's going to be arranged. And it's this interesting mutant future. And this extremist book deals with this group where there's now emotions that are kind of entering into the group and it's breaking them up. Uh, I will tell you right now, I do have to spoil this book for you because what I want to talk about in this book is, is very much toward the end. Uh, but I think that it is worth celebrating and worth talking about. So if you'll forgive me, if you want to read extremists too, please go do so go pick it up. It's amazing. Uh, if you don't care about spoilers, keep listening. But so what you have here is you have the extremists. They're going out. They're doing their superhero thing. They save the day. And at the end of the day, they're kind of doing like the paperwork and the come down and they're wrapping things up. And Psylocke comes over to Blob and she says, you know, you and I, we need to talk. And he gets nervous. And she says, listen, I I read your mind today during the battle when we were, you know, giving orders and whatnot. And she basically says to him, I caught that you have feelings for me. And you know that that's forbidden. And he gets super nervous. And he, he leaves, he storms out of the house, or just he rushes out of the house, breaking doors and whatnot. And she has no idea what's going on. Maybe it was the wrong approach. Anyway, you get later in the book, he leaves the team. Betsy wants to know why. The two char- the conversation that happens between these two characters is so compelling and so beautiful. Talking about the the openness and how he he would rather leave the team than hide his emotions or or stomp his emotions down that he has for Psylocke. And they're having this really awesome conversation and they're both at the opposite ends of a table. And Blob is like laying it all out on the line. And there's this moment where Psylocke is responding to all of his confessions, where she kind of opens up about how she feels different and she feels like she's been holding things in. And she starts to get up and crawl across the table as she's talking to him in this very seductive way. And it's it's positively gorgeous. The way that the, the bodies are drawn in this scene are really, really spectacular. And the the book ends with them being kind of like almost nose to nose and basically saying, what are we going to do about this? And the wind up to it, the build up, everything is just so amazing. And there are so many things in this conversation. I'm not going to read it to you word for word, but stuff that if you've ever had somebody that you've cared about, but you've been afraid to tell them your thoughts and feelings for fear of rejection and whatnot. 
Blob basically lays it all out on the line, and it was really, really refreshing to to hear, to see on the page, and to have this discussion about relationships and about feelings and about being okay with just the person knowing and 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 saying the the rejection won't hurt me because this is just who I am, this is how I feel and you know if you don't feel the same way that's just fine. You know, I feel like we're finally getting to a point in a books in books where we're seeing some more varied versions of relationships and what they can be between characters sometimes characters getting together is a little taboo and people don't want to see it because it creates problems within the story this is one of the things where i totally ship psylocke and blob mm. power mm. couple <laughs> of 2019 uh joey yeah. what were you read this what did you think oh i love it for all the same reasons i think it's this incredible incredible book from leo williams uh the writing is is so good the artwork's also fantastic too but um, I'm loving the X-Man stuff. I, I think it's I think it's such an interesting take on the Marvel, uh, sorry, the mutants and and all the X drama that's been going on for decades, right? And I've said it several times talking about the Age of X-Man stuff. I, I love that the thing that he tries to get rid of is the fact that the X-Men are so infatuated with each other romantically all the time, and that leads to com- uh, conflict, right? Um, and by removing that, we'll be in this utopian world. And what you're finding is that you know love will always win as it were and and i think mm-hmm. that uh it's it's just it's a great it's a great take and i think as we talked about last week with the uh hickman uh, announcement that the x-men are in a really good place right now it, we're starting to see these really dynamic voices taking over these characters and and telling really true to form stories that that capitalize on everything that the, these our merry band of mutants represent um, and I think extremists is is case in point for that. And I'd love to see where this goes when it you know flips over to the to the main universe, as it were, or if it does at all. You know, I, I mm-hmm. have no idea what what this Age of X Men stuff is going to lead to. Um, but we'll see. I also love that Leah Williams is changing my perspective on Blob as a character because I mean, I my first introduction to him was through the X Men video game. You know, and he's always been a villain and he's always been this kind of just one line, you know, nothing can stop the blob. And that (laughs) is his whole bag. And, you know, like that's it's funny, but it's it's not interesting. And I get to this book and here he is and you walk into his home and it's this quiet, comfortable place. He has a library in there. He has flowers and vases on the window, you know, and he's this. This quiet, humble, thoughtful, emotional person, and and I is is that new because I've never known him um, to be that way. I wouldn't say it's new. There have definitely been takes on the character that have explored him that way, um, but he's always kind of been the bad guy, and and that's why this extremist stuff is so interesting. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also all interested the... in this, and I had no interest whatsoever. You, that is read extremists. So read extremists. Yeah, yeah like, I think you would you would really dig this, Bob. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the Nightcrawler stuff has been good too, Night, but the, it's uh, a, it's the same storyline. You know, it's like Nightcrawler yeah. and Megan. Like it's 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 how we found ourselves in this situation, and and what do we do? Uh, like mm-hmm. it, it's it's really cool. It's it it. it 
what I've always, which everybody always loves about the X Men is 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 its ability to explore the social, right? And and I think that now you have this line of books that's exploring what what is it like when you're not allowed to love, you know, what what is it like when you're not allowed to 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 have intimate relationships with people when when you're forbidden from doing that. Yeah. Um, and I think that uh, you know it's it's a great it's a great corner of the universe to explore that idea with yeah there's all there's all there's also other things going on in this book too i mean they're keeping a a pregnant woman held hostage in the basement <laughs> so there's that <laughs> book too. is crazy yeah it's it's it you know it's uh she's breaking the law by by looking to bring a child into the world and half the team wants to stick to the law and the others are starting to have you know their own thoughts and feelings about it and it brings a lot of drama to the book and, you know, we were we noted uh, Leah Williams last year mm-hmm. for some of her outstanding comic work. And she just she continues to really impress. Uh, this is this, even if you're not reading the whole Age of X-Men thing, definitely check out Extremists. It's by far I'm enjoying a lot of the, the X-Men offshoots, but uh, this is my favorite for for certain. All right, uh, Jess, we you and I have about 30 seconds to give our thoughts a piece on the scary stories to tell in the dark teaser trailer because we have we need to, to get yeah, to some questions. Yeah, moving on. I'm just really I'm ready for it. You're I'm pumped? sorry, those books. I'm pumped. I'm ready. Oh, okay, for it. okay. So we're both I'm, in the same court. Yeah, no, I, I'm just really ready for it. Like the the imagery goes with what the book was, and that's all I wanted. Really, mm-hmm. I wanted those creepy images. I mean, I remember a lot of the stories, but those images were like burned into my brain and into my yeah. nightmares as a child, yeah, and Stephen that's Gunnell what I want. Artwork is is yeah. That's nightmare fuel. It is nightmare fuel. And I want it to continue to be nightmare fuel. And it looked like that. So I'm good with it. Yeah. The movie looks, movie looks really dark. Cinematography looks gorgeous. And I, the only, my only beef, I have one beef. They should have left out that you don't read the book. The book reads Reads you. you. Yeah. I, I, oh man, I groaned so hard. But other than that, other than that, everything about what I've seen for that movie so far looks so legit, and I am so ready to watch that movie. I am pumped. Too yep. legit. I watched Too it. Too legit. And I thought to Too myself, absolutely not. Joey's like, no way. Yeah, it didn't seem like a Joey movie. They're all in there, though. The pale woman, the woman with no toe. Ah, The red spot. Uh-huh. I'm there. I'm there. Opening weekend. I'm I'm yeah. really, really pumped. I love oh man, I love those books. I still have my originals. I don't. All right. And what happened? Yeah, you I don't have, have them? them. No, I can't find them. And I'm like, they really reprinted them with some with some artwork that is want, not the same. I want the ones that I had, the terrifying ones that gave me nightmares <laughs> as a child. That's what I want. And I don't have them. They, they gotta probably be go somewhere. hundreds on uh eBay these I'm days. Sure. I'm sure. Alrighty, who is up for some listener questions? Let's do it. <laughs> All right, we asked you guys. <laughs> the lightning round is back. We asked you for some questions for the podcast, and you delivered. Thank you to everybody who wrote in. Uh, Greg, if you're listening, we'll get to yours next week, buddy. We uh, we ran out of time. <laughs> All right, let's see here. What do we have, Robin? I have a question when you have time inspired by the Jackie ball and Steve's uh, interview and Steve's question to her. 
What themed amusement park ride or area would you create from a comic book? Could be inspired by a character, storyline, or scene. Okay. All right. Hello, Robin, and thank you for stealing my answer to your question. But that's absolutely, okay. and thank you for 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 always sending in questions when we uh, when we ask. Yes. We definitely really really appreciate, it, and we appreciate you listening to the show as well. Okay, amusement park rides for me. I came up with uh, three for it. Jesus, Captain <laughs> Captain Marvel's Alpha Flight. A breakneck roller coaster with plenty of corkscrews, loop-de-loops, and a giant dip to simulate uh, aerial combat, dogfighting, and Carol's fall uh, before she learned that she could fly. Like, recreate that moment from the movie with just a a killer, killer drop. Uh, I also have Doctor Strange's Spooktum Sanctorum. (laughs) Doctor Stephen Strange's Sanctum Sanctorum has been overtaken by a dark and sinister force turning his manner of curiosities into a haunted house of doom. Think Disney's haunted house, but with all the most powerful weapons in the sanctum uh, wreaking havoc. So it would be a, like a ride through and all the stuff would come to life. whatnot. Uh, I also have mole man's journey to the center of the earth. It would be, <laughs> it would be kind of like a back to the future uh, type of ride that they have at universal, a virtual ride where you burrow down to the earth's core, passing everything from forgotten worlds to dinosaurs and nameless ones on the way down. Uh, mindless ones. I'm sorry. And, uh, the last one I have but don't have a, a description for it, but I just love the name was the Savage Land Safari Adventure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, man, it's you and Kazar running around. Yeah, Shaun of the She Devils there, Zabu. It's the whole thing. It's the whole thing. Yeah, it's the whole thing. Uh, Joey, what do you got? Uh, see, I grew up near Six Flags Great Adventure, so I already had my Superman ride where you're in the Superman and then you're flying like the roller coaster, like lifts up so you're laying out flat and you fly and then we already had the batman coaster mm-hmm. this was rob batman and robin's great six flies great adventure you can't go wrong um the only thing i want to do i i just i really want to spider-man thwip man like i want to i want to yeah. swing like that's that's what i want i don't know how you do it i don't know how you turn that into an amusement <laughs> park ride but i want to thwip through the city that's what i want to do that could be I awesome. Like yeah. Like that a lot. I'm picturing magnets. I'm picturing something to do something. You guys have been on the I'm picturing back injuries. I'm, I'm, I'm picturing, picturing VR is what I'm picturing. Have, have you ever gone to um Islands of Adventure in in Florida? No. You have a yes, Spider-Man ride. I did. I have. And it's, <laughs> but isn't it like don't you it's sitting not, in it? You are sitting in it, but it's pretty good. Yeah, you're not I'm just saying, though. if you haven't got, you're not flying, but it is pretty yeah. good. So if you haven't been on it, just did you, you listen to what I wanted? It's, it's not I, the same I thing. understand that that's what you want. <laughs> not the same thing, but it was a good ride. <laughs> Jess, Jess, do you have any rides? <laughs> not anymore. No, <laughs> I do. So I want to see a um, I hate Fairyland ride where it starts out all nice and sweet, and then maybe you go through like when she eats the mushrooms, and then after you have to chop all the mushrooms' heads off, and it gets all like crazy and Gertrude like. And I would like to see that as a roller coaster. Also, I would like to say that in Overwatch there is a Blizzard World, and I want to go to Snacks Ramus. There is a, a raid in WoW that was there for a long time, and it was called Naxxramas, and they made a place, and it was called Snacks Ramets, and I want to go and eat there. <laughs> That's my favorite. Sounds yeah. good to me. 
<laughs> That's all I want to do is eat at Snacks Ramus. Bob, what about you? Yeah, well, Robin had the one I would have picked, but I didn't see her answer or his answer, their answer, until after I wrote it all down and took it out. But Robin's answer was, I'm inspired by the slot already run in Silver Surfer. So it's a stand-up coaster surfboard. Your back support is the surfer, and there are loops, barrel rolls, and a turn while upside down to repeat the course before returning to the inn. So we're, we're doing that Mobius strip right from the Allred issue. So that, that would have been mine. So great pick, Robin. So what I did come up with was sort of what you're on to, Steve. I want it to be a, I want a spook house ride, but it's the X-Men. And mm. Magic, Kurt, and Kitty each lead you from room to room using their various powers of portaling, <laughs> bamfing, or just phasing you through a wall into there'd be a room made with arcade doing some stuff, one with the brood. Uh, we have Dracula because he was part of their series, so a whole real scary spook house, and all each way, each room you're, you're entered in an, a very X Men kind of way. I like it. Yeah. All right, uh, we moving on. Yowza! All right. Sure. So this next question comes from our own Lady of Valhalla and the love of my life, Bronwyn Kelly. Say she says question from the peanut gallery. You wake up to find yourself inside your favorite comic book reality. Where are you and what do you do? I.e., are you a part of the Pantheon and Wicked and Divine? Are you choosing sides in Saga? Are you discovering the monster within Monstrous? Ba-ba-bum. Where are you going? So, okay, let me see. What did I come up with for this? I said, oh, oh, I would love... It's funny that you just mentioned Fairyland. Just because I <laughs> actually said I would love to be tasked with finding my way home from Fairyland. Fairyland? I don't. I don't really know if I'd want to do that. But oh, I, I would mean, it could so want to do that. All the crazy the places I mean, that Gertrude I mean, all the That was still my favorite part is when she eats the mushrooms and they get all effed up. So yeah. Uh, all right. I think I could do it. I could. I could find the key. I could. I could get out of there. It'll be fine. Um, let's see. Uh, <laughs> I also want to join the band in Murder Falcon, have my own heavy metal Patronus <laughs> while shredding monsters with the power of rock and roll. So those were my two answers. Uh, Bob, what do you have? I would be Willie Lumpkin, the Fantastic Four's mailman. Excellent. That's great. That's awesome. Uh, Joey. I don't want any part of any of the comic book realities I read because they all sound... <laughs> terrifying and terrible like are you part of the pantheon and wicked divine absolutely not that's awful (laughs) do i want to be in saga absolutely not that sounds terrible too monstrous everything i read is like crazy dystopia end of the world like even the marvel universe like i really don't want buildings falling on my head anytime freaking uh fin fang foom rolls up in there you know like (laughs) Um, but how about I mean, you work in Patsy Walker's office? Oh, that would be wonderful. Or like, I'd be like, I'd be like, there you go. I, I just want to go to college with the girls from Giant Days. Like, like the, yeah, you know, do that. Give me That's that, fine. Dude, you know, like, how could you not want to join the backstagers troop? Oh, you know, yeah. I didn't think about that. I want to be the backstagers back. as the faculty advisor. That's what I want to be. Done, go, man. Done. See. We help each other out here on the Talking Cops. I just, I, I was just like, I, I was thinking about all the books I read, and I was like, God, like, all of these worlds are horrible. Went right to the bad place. <laughs> yeah. Like, I was like, Walking Dead. Nope. <laughs> like, 
you want to go to high school with Teen Dog. Oh, Teen Dog. Teen Dog. Teen Dog's like the OG. Teen Dog is like, that's like my comic book origin story. (laughs) Teen Dog and Jonesy. Teen Dog and Jonesy. Ooh, so good. Sam Humphreys. Teen Dog. No, Sam Humphreys was uh, Jonesy. We're talking about books nobody ever read, so there you go. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Jess, did you get a turn yet? Uh, no, no, I did not. Um, oh, well then. No, no, I didn't. Uh, I said I'd either be figuring out what kind of witch I am, um, waking up and trying to figure out my witch powers, or I would definitely be like uh, a bat, some kind of bat person. I could be like designer bat, and I'd make all the costumes. That would be my. I would sit there and make all the costumes and and all their uh, the UI designs for all their their gadgets in the back. Could be one of the foxes. There yeah. you go, man. There you go. Exactly. Awesome. All righty. All righty. So are we moving on? Yeah. All right. Moving on. (sighs) Bagsy. Bags. What character completely takes you out of the book you're reading? Mine is Deadpool and Mr. And Mrs. X. I was having fun with it. Then he showed up and I had to put it down. Keep up the good work, guys. P.S. Are the tickets for Endgame out already? Uh, They weren't here. (laughs) They definitely we're not here. And uh, okay, so I must confess, we got these questions a while ago. I've been thinking about this for days. I could not come up with a character that takes me out of a book. Um, I I know that there are things like writing choices or character choices that take me out, but I can't think of a specific character that like i bemoan having to read them i think i think what takes me out of a book is maybe a character that i'm not necessarily invested in being written by somebody who maybe doesn't have that much uh, too good of a grasp on that character to, to finally be the person to make them uh interesting for me to read if that makes any sense. I don't know. I had a really, really, I'm being honest. No, I had a I, really tough time with this question. I couldn't find a character. I didn't, I didn't have a character either. I've talked about it before for me. It's, it's really just unnecessary violence against animals. That will, that, that is really like, that's that like one thing. Right yeah. Out. Yeah. They just, they take me right out. Like, no, really. Like I, you know, that's like the thing. It's not that I have a character, but I don't like, I don't mind violence, but it's unnecessary. Like it's the, when it gets to yeah. a point where this is just like grotesque and for no reason that takes me out. You know? I get more upset when I find characters that don't really serve the story that much, mm-hmm. that they're kind of just around to do one or two things that they don't really add any sense. I hate to, to beat on it again, but there's a character in Mera that's introduced that they really, it was just, it was just to update Mera about what was happening back home. And that was her only function. Mm-hmm. And she had these kind of dialogue quirks where she would say, you know, Oh, shell. No, instead of hell. No. And I, <laughs> Just wow. big eye roll. That's I was, oh, I was we telling clever. you. We when yeah. I opened like yeah. on the first or second page when she was introduced and it was you know oh shell no and I went oh god please and you went oh hell no yeah yeah <laughs> and I I just like again it's not I don't think that the book is geared for me uh, I'm not gonna launch a whole bunch of excuses <laughs> I just that kind of stuff really really drags me. 
Uh, it's like kind of like that line in the scary stories. Uh, the, you know, yeah. the, you don't read the book. The book reads you. Yeah. They can oh my that. God. I, it's that. that go away. And whenever a character is like, you're the same, you and I are the same. And I, oh, everybody, everybody says it. And it just tropey things, characters that feel like they're, they're the embodiments of tropes. And they're just there to get one or two things done. And they don't hang out. You don't get to know them. They're just kind of there. Yeah. And and it, it those types of characters bother me. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, like Deadpool. Yeah. <laughs> like Deadpool <I'm>... and like <laughs> like Deadpool and like Gwenpool. Those are the two that I thought of immediately. So when I saw the question and and Megs was like, "Oh, mine is Deadpool." I was like, "I agree." I I get Deadpool. There's like some great Deadpool books that have happened. But more often than not, if like Deadpool, like it's like next issue, Deadpool. I'm like, why? Why? And West Coast Avengers too, like the Gwenpool stuff was like, I guess it was fun, but at the same time I was like, what who are you? Like, what is the point of this nonsense? I just it it it, it always takes me out. It's just not my it's not my shtick. And Deadpool really like like I understand why he was in in the Domino books. But I was also like, I didn't need this, you know. And I think he's showing up in the next uh, Hot Shots, right? Yes, he is. He I'm is like, a, get the, the hell out of here with this he Deadpool was, nonsense. He was in uh, Ziggy Pig and Silly Seal, was? wasn't he? He I was like, at the beginning of it. I like Gail Simone's Deadpool and Domino a lot, actually. I, look, I, I, I was okay. I'm not saying, I'm not saying it's never, like, I'm not saying he's ever poorly written. Like, I, I think that that's always a thing, whatever. But, like... I'm always just like I just don't need Deadpool, like I don't I don't need you here. Get away from me, Deadpool. <laughs> as long as you didn't say bad things about the little baby Jeff the Land Shark. Oh no, yeah. Jeff the Land Shark is hilarious. <laughs> uh, Bob, do you have any characters that take sure. you out of a book? Yes, uh, in, a, in a tie for third, Cable and Madeline Pryor. Oh, Cable. Enough. I go away. Just please, just go away. Uh, the movie was, but the movie was fun. I didn't have to deal with all the various Summers kids and uh, skip it. I love Rachel Summers, but the rest of them they can go away. Um, second, and to tell you how much it took me out of the book, I sold my entire collection to the store when they revealed twenty odd years ago that. Peter Parker was actually a clone, and what we've been reading for ten years was actually Ben Riley. Ben Riley. Guess what? If you don't, if the stories I read don't count, I don't want them either. And have never collected Spider-Man since. Ooh. That's it. It uh, they yeah. Uh, get off my Spider-Man lawn. Get off my Spider-Man lawn. Exactly. <laughs> get off my spider lawn. <laughs> yeah, and in the number one position, it is more a generic, as some of you have, have, have mentioned these things. <laughs> It's Kelly Sue DeConnick's idea of the sexy lamp character. There's a woman there just to be a generic woman taking up a space whose place could be taken up by a sexy lamp. Serves no purpose but to drive a man's story forward. And it's, this is not the 40s anymore. Let's move on. And they they still show up and you're saying, oh, yeah, great. Thanks. Yeah, I'll check this book off my list. I won't get that one like Female Furies. Sorry. Sorry, Granny. Goodness. Yeah, you want to go sleep with the. 
again, if she slept with, see, this is the thing. If she slept with him because, and there was a plot behind it and it was her Her using, you know, her age. Yeah. It would have been okay. I don't want to talk about this book. I'm going to get angry again. No, we're going to get angry again. But yeah, that's, (laughs) that's, those are, those are mine. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We have another question. This one comes from our other lady of Valhalla. What's going on, Jesse? You have a question there. Too. You know, I don't have questions because the other two had plenty of questions. <laughs> uh, this one comes from Sarah. Of course, the obvious question from the GIF in uh, in which existing which existing My Little Pony character are you? I know you made your own ponies before, but this is a test of your My Little Pony knowledge. So when I posted the question on Twitter, it was also it had a gif of Applejack getting uh, confetti cannoned in the face. Oh. So that's where this came from. Classic. Uh, I, I were a My Little Pony. There's no question about it. I would be DJ Pony. <laughs> Done. Done. I would get the party started. I would keep it going all night long. And I that, that would be... That would be my pony. I would be okay. DJ Pony. I get that. Uh, Bob, what pony would you be? Discord, the spirit of disharmony. Yes. <laughs> I have, oh God, it's got to be at least a foot tall, maybe a foot and a half Discord statue in the basement here. Oh, Bob, we got to get you to cosplay. That's amazing. <laughs> That's, amazing. <laughs> That's a great pick. Damn. Joey, what about you? I'm freaking Twilight Sparkle. Get the fuck out, man. I'm the main you character. Know. I'm the lead. Absolutely. <laughs> Jess, what about you? Well, I've been assigned a pony, and I, and I do believe that um, Bella, which Sarah's Bella, she is the end-all be-all on who, what pony you are. So I am Tempest Shadow, as per Ooh. Bella. And I do agree with her. She's like casually, you know, she's a little casual goth pony with mm-hmm. a broken horn. She's got some good eyeliner going on. She's wearing all black and she's got some purple hair. She's right up. She's me, really. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she's kind of pissed is, off. Uh, what is Sarah's <laughs> pony? Um... Off the top of my head, I don't know, Steve. You put me on the spot. I don't remember. Bronwyn is Pinkie Pie for me. She's, <laughs> she she's either that or Rainbow Dash. She's either the one or the other. She's just so happy. She's so colorful. <laughs> Her and all the colors of the rainbow are there. So she's amazing. Twilight's all right, let's see. character. Yes. We got a question from Noah. Do you watch the movie trivia Schmodown on YouTube? So my original answer for this question was no. And then I found myself sitting at the computer and I decided to actually look it up. And uh, it's cool. <laughs> I wrote that. What did I what did I watch? Um, it was like one of like the, the final match. Oh, the most intense movie trivia free for all. Uh, the three-parter. So I watched some of that, and uh, I did okay. Like I actually did all right. And it looks what it, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's it's pub trivia, but in a theater, a little bit more elaborate. Uh, definitely more of a variety of questions, and you go up on the stage. You last as long as you can. You advance to the uh, to the you know rounds that follow and whatnot. And uh, did anybody else get to check it out or watch it? No, I did not. Sadly, I did. Uh, my answer was would have been no too, but I figured, well, I should I should look at this. Uh, I did watch some of those. 
it, it is very well produced. Everyone's having a lot of fun. As someone who did lots of trivia, wrote lots of trivia, uh, there is a variety of questions as long as they're from past the middle 80s. Yeah. I, there was one question about uh, a Hitchcock murderer from uh, Rear Window. Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of like, yeah, I get it. Anyone who would know the 40s is dead. So you don't why ask questions about those, you know. But still, it's the, um, I don't know if anyone's going to remember, but this is maybe 15 years ago. IFC had a movie geek trivia uh, game show where people would come out and answer questions and then have to prove themselves as the biggest geek. That sounds uh, awful. And no, it, it was very funny. And the one, what do I think Chris Hardwick was involved somehow? I'm not oh, sure. Boy. I think it I might have been. Um, me. There was one episode where the, the two celebrity guest judges, one, uh, it was Pam Greer and Quentin Tarantino were sitting there. Mm-hmm. So this one guy comes out and people are bringing out posters of Tarantino movies and signed and whatever. And that's great. They got a little bit of applause. This guy comes out with DVD has already begun, so it's a little retro. He ha- has a VHS copy of Dawn of the Dead that he bought in the Monroeville Mall where they filmed Dawn of the Dead, and he has it signed by George Romero. That's cool. And he got a standing ovation from Tarantino. It's like, you win trivia. I don't care if you don't answer any other questions. You win. <laughs> so I, I thought these were fun. I'm sure that for lots of people, these are great, and I will probably watch some again, but I just wish it was more encompassing in mm. its, in its, in its knowledge-based. It looks like the kind of thing that if you actually went to it live, that it would be a lot of fun, especially if maybe oh. they served some drinks. Uh, I will say, though, I could do with a little less commentary from the hosts, because if you want to talk about cringe, oh, yeah. The, yeah. the commentary is uh, is in between when they're thinking of their answers is not good. But uh, other than that, it looks like a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. For sure. All right. Uh, Joey, you didn't check out the trivia schmodown, right? Nope. Okay. So from Sean, a while back, I made a goofy post uh, laying out what I envisioned Batman's iPod to be full of. In the spirit of Detective Comics 1000, let's talk some Batman and and discuss Batman's personal Spotify playlist while he's lurking the shadows of Gotham. And then he gave he gave his uh, his entries. There's uh, there's any number of them, so I'm not going to read them. <laughs> um, Bob, did you uh, yes. come up oh, with yeah. a playlist? Oh yeah. Well, first of all, it it would start with Martha and the muffins, and then Martha and the Vandellas. <laughs> no, it wouldn't be Martha and Vandellas. Nowhere to run over any of that, or and it wouldn't be Nick Cave either. But that would be very funny. Um, trying to be serious. How about Pantera? I am the knight. Whoa! Oh. Or, or Johnny? Wow, you went seriously. Wow, I know. that's hard. Yeah. John, Johnny Johnny Cash hurt. Ooh. All right. Or the, or the right. man in black. I. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Billy Holiday. I cover the waterfront. A <laughs> um, couple of instrumentals. You got Earl Bostick's Harlem Nocturne and Junior Walker's Walk in the Night. And then just to pump him up a little bit, the Four Tops. Are you man enough? <laughs> which was the theme song from Shaft in Africa. Nice. So, yeah, we, I mean, you could certainly throw some emo stuff. You'd want some My Chemical Romance and some of that kind of Bob. jazz. Bob! <laughs> <laughs> you know. 
Bob worked in a music Bob, store for years. He knows his stuff. Me and Bob had a long conversation about the Wu-Tang Clan on Sunday, okay? Yeah. Me and Bob, we did. Had a very long conversation. It's a very awkward it, it it must people listening to us must have been like, what are these <laughs> Who are these people? Well, like, this little blonde girl and this, this old man. gentleman talking about the Wu Tang Clan. <laughs> it's a pretty good scene. Good yeah. scene. <laughs> All right, Jess, do you have a list? Well, I do, and I went more for humor with this because Batman would only have songs with black in the title <laughs> on his. Spotify playlists. So you'd have, you know, of course I said his anthem would be back in black. That was my my yeah. last time. He'd have painted black by the Rolling Stones. He'd have Black Hole Sun by Black Hole Sun by Soundgarden. He'd have Fade to Black by Metallica. He'd have Black by Pearl Jim. He'd have Back to Black by Amy Winehouse. Black Parade by My Chemical Romance and Man in Black by Johnny Cash. That's incredible. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. Nicely, nicely done. Very, very well done. Oh, only black. Sometimes dark. None more, none more none, black. None more black. They said they had spinal tap. Spinal tap. Smell <laughs> the glove. Joey, what do you got? Yeah, I, you know, I was like, oh, what's that song? It's like, no one knows what it's like. Like, I like to think that. Yeah, uh, I, got yeah that. I got that. I got that on the who, the who was on there, you know? And I was like, maybe he listens to, like, the Les Mis soundtrack a lot. But then I was like, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if Batman, because he's freaking Batman, would have his little headphones in. And he wouldn't be listening to anything for like <laughs> <laughs> for like five hours. He just got his headphones. He's like, oh, Bruce, what are you listening to? He's like, I'm listening to my playlist. He takes his headphone out and it's just it's just white noise. It's just nothing for 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 hours and hours. Did you guys hours. ever see the movie Pootie Tang? Yes. <laughs> yes. You remember yes. the song? Remember his hit yes. single? That's what Batman listens to. Yeah, Don your just... pity on the running kind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah who knows man I, 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 or or what's that song from teen titans go to the movies upbeat inspirational song just like yes. something like that like the backstreet boys or something like that just like hanson hanson, hanson. Mm-bop. 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 yeah Mm-bop. just like that's the only do... song anybody knows by that band. that's the, the only song, song. Did they have another song oh they had a lot of stuff they had al- whole albums of songs that yeah they have yeah, yeah, they they <laughs> yeah. oh yeah hanson's yeah, got no, a whole they're... following I would love if it was revealed in issue 97 of Tom King's Batman run that the only song he's ever listened to was Mbop by Hanson. <laughs> and he was just like, this is it. And that's like the only song he listens to on repeat. <laughs> or, or maybe Spike Jones and the City Slickers, you always hurt the one you love. <laughs> oh, sorry. Or Sam. I've walked, I've walked 500 miles to get here. <laughs> I would want 500 more to track you down. <laughs> All right. Uh, those are your songs, Joey. Oh, yeah. I can't I can't get the Lego movie out of my head. Darkness. Oh, yeah. Darkness. <laughs> no pants. No <laughs> uh, maybe he'll listen to Rock Lobster <laughs> as he eats his lobster <laughs> through the door. All right. So my, my th- I got real, like, I got really into the Batman's head when I was creating my playlist and I was like, man, what is, what does Batman listen to, to like get in the mood? Right. So I figured that he puts the little earbuds in his cowl or maybe it's Bluetooth, who knows? And he starts his night with the Zorro theme to take him back to crime alley and remind him of his parents. (laughs) 
And then once he's nice and sad, he slips into Mermaider by Death Clock and gets into his metal mood. Followed by Joker and the Thief by Wolfmother. Uh, I also have the uh, the Who behind Blue Eyes because I just I'm like thinking of him perched on top of a gargoyle in the rain. And he's just like surveying the city. No one knows what it's like to be the sad man. It was the first so. song. It was the first and only song that came into my head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I also have three dog nights. One, one is <laughs> the loneliest ever do. Because he's all about the solitude. Uh, if he needs to get pumped, I have Nine Inch Nails, Mr. Self-Destruct there you on go. here. <laughs> Uh, I have Ghost of Perdition from um, heavy, uh, very metal band, Opeth. Uh, And even though it appeared in the Crow movie, I think Batman would really dig on The Cure's Burn. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, definitely. And uh, I also think that he would have the theme from his own animated show swinging around Gotham City. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just singing it to himself as he swoops around. Yeah, so scatting it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh I made I'll give Joey uh a link, but uh I I made a, a playlist that if you all want to go to the show notes on uh talkingcomicbooks.com, you can you can download the playlist if you're if you're a Spotify uh, premium subscriber. Okay. Uh, we we could probably do like forty seven more of these. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. just like every like TV show from the fifties, like they'd be Peter great. Gunn or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Perry Mason, you know, he just does them all, or yeah. he like sings the theme song to like uh, the the Brady Bunch or something like that. Here's a story. Brady, <laughs> <laughs> Brady. No, maybe you do the Adams Family. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, gonna be I'm, new Adam I'm not convinced that he would listen to like aggressive, weird, dark stuff. I think he would listen to bright, up tempo things, but just like Batman them, you know, just Batman, just versions, Batman of versions of them all. <laughs> Case Sarah Sarah, Batman version. There we go. <laughs> I don't even. <laughs> <laughs> the old Doris Day song from. All right. There we go. Oh my god. What books are we looking forward to next week? I have a very short list. I don't think I have a list. Oh my god, I, I can't stop stuff. coughing. Yeah. Uh I'll read mine super quick. It's not a lot of books. Uh I have Young Justice number four. Die number five, the deluxe edition, uh, volume two of Paper Girls, hardcover. It's the stands this Wednesday. Definitely going to be picking that up. Champions number four, uh, still reading Spider Gwen, Ghost Spider by Sean McGuire, number seven. And starting this week, War of the Realms, number one. I've been catching up on my Thor. I have one more issue to read, uh, and then I will be ready to go. And, um, I'm excited. I mean, it's unfortunately, I think it's the beginning of the end of Jason Aaron's run. This is his uh, his swan song. So somebody who has enjoyed his run on this character and the Jane Thor, uh, Jane Thor Foster, Jane Foster (laughs) Thor character, Mighty Thor. Uh, I mean, if people if somebody in the future ever asked me, like, who's your Thor writer? My answer would be Jason Aaron, just because I've spent so much time 
uh, with him. But anyway, enough about you know, me. I, I, I would have said for years Walt Simonson, and I don't know that I'd say that anymore. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, mm. I think I've gone on to Jason Aaron with you, Steve. End oh. the show there. Wow. Yeah. Sorry, Uncle Walt. <laughs> that is. That's bold. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, wow. Wow. I may wow. throw people off my lawn, but I throw myself off my own lawn every now and again. So, wow. you know. <laughs> All right. Jess, what, do you, what books are you reading? My actual pull list is very small, like what's, what's actually in my bag. I'm still reading Conan the Barbarian. Uh, Die number five, I'm with you. I'm on for Ghost Spider, Paper Girls. Um, the team up, doesn't, doesn't Spider-Man, Miss Marvel team up come out too? Yes. Like. Yep. Yeah, that I'm going to pick up. There's another, there's a new book, Section Zero, coming out. I think it's a mini series. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's about it. I didn't have that. I didn't have too much. Who's writing the Ms. Marvel and Spider Man team up? Um, I'm not sure, but I remember I. Hold on. I might give that up. a look. Uh, are you Ethan reading the Spider Gwen? Oh. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. No, I just have them all and I want to read them. And like, I keep on reading other things and I'm like, I just keep on buying all these spider. Oh, I told you though, right? She had an epiphany. She came to the house tonight with, I bought her when she was born. I had the girl, Bob knows who I'm talking about. There was a girl at the comic book store. She crocheted a spider Gwen for me and she came to the house with it tonight. And she was like, look at spider Gwen. I'm like, I know. (laughs) I picked, I picked up one of those for my my yeah. uh, my friend Angela's daughter Diana, and she your friend also made us a wasp. Yeah, yeah, with wings and everything. Yeah, she's really good at it. They were really cute. Yeah, I have a picture. I'm going to put it up on my Instagram later. Oh, so. please do. Awesome. <laughs> uh, quick word for for Spider Gwen there, Jess. Uh, my advice: keep going with it. The first couple of issues, unfortunately, suffer from being roped into an event, and okay. it's very much. You're kind of thrown into the middle of this thing. New writer has to write their way around this big event that's going on before they can actually get to the story they want to tell. But once I think around issue four or five, the the book really uh, starts to come together once Shannon's actually able to tell, you know, her her new Spider Gwen story. I'm enjoying it a lot. Uh, Joe. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm good. All right. Uh, Joe, you don't have a list this week, right? No, not much is going on. I mean, Rob Liefeld's writing Major X number one from Marvel. Anybody picking that one up, baby? Rob Liefeld? Anybody? All right. No? Is it me? Or does this week feel like a last week in the month, like the fifth week in the month kind of release? Yes. It's weird. There's not a lot going on. I mean, Rocco's Modern Afterlife number one does look pretty awesome. That's going to come home. (laughs) But yeah, there's not a lot. A couple of graphic novels I might pick up, but uh, yeah, we'll see what we'll see what I read. How about you, Bob? Yeah, it is very light. War of the Realms, definitely. Paper Girls, twenty-seven. Talking about beginnings of the end. There are only four more of that. Oh, one. I didn't re- Oh, I didn't see that. That was coming out alongside the uh, the yeah. volume one. I got to add that to yeah. my list. Okay. Uh, Giant Days forty-nine. Just about to get into their big anniversary issue, where apparently big things are going to happen. I heard. I missed that too. I've heard some stuff. Um, Cap. Number nine, which has been really, really good, and Hot Shots number two. Man, I'm sleeping on the job. I missed all of these. Yeah. Mm. All right. Well, I've got some more books to pick up. Cool. Thought I was gonna save myself some money this week. No. I guess not. Well, here you should save yourself money because the next couple of weeks are killer. 
Ugh. And looking ahead, yes, there's lots and lots and lots and lots of stuff. I'm excited and sad at the same time. At the same time, time yeah. Uh, all right. So uh, I'm going to turn our closing statements over to Bob in just a minute. I just want to remind everybody before we uh, get to some house cleaning that next week will be our Shazam movie review podcast. So if you want to tweet us your non-spoilery thoughts, uh, look out on Twitter. We'll be sending something out for that, and you can tell us what you thought of the movie. We hope that you enjoy it. And, uh, yeah, just be careful and have fun. Uh, Bob, you said you, <laughs> be you careful have, and uh, have fun. What? I don't want anybody to get hurt on the way to the movie theater. The people are crazy out there. <laughs> don't I always tell popcorn. people to be don't careful. Don't put too much salt on your pot. Uh, I have gotten sick at the movie theater and did not get to see the end of Ant-Man Wasp because oh, I ate too much popcorn. So there you go. <laughs> be, might be careful. It rests. It's, yeah. it, it, it see, there we go. There, the, the proof is in the pudding. Or the proof is in the popcorn, as the case may be. Alright, Bob, what do, you, what do you got for us? Okay, it's the end of the show and it's this kind of thing. Look, um, there's going to be a little bit of both here. As they used to say back in vaudeville, people would walk up to the, to the ticket window. What is it tonight, sad or high kicking? Well, it's a little of both. Um, as the show will be tomorrow, where we're in our time traveling thing, though looking at the clock on the wall, it's nearly tomorrow. Anyway, um, 25 years ago, April 3rd, which was actually Easter Sunday, I lost my dad. And... I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for my mom and dad instilling in me this whole love of reading and my dad buying me comics when I was sick and so on and so on and so forth. And I, um, you know, in a lot of ways, I, I always felt from that point on, I've been alone. But, mm -hmm. but with what we do here with you three lovely folks, with Sarah with Stephanie and Bobby and our adventure crew and everything else and all you wonderful people out there. I know that I'm not. And so I just want to say thank you. Oh, well, thank Aww. you, Bob. Thank you for, for, for choosing to be with us on this crazy ride. Yeah. And, uh, and cheers to your father. Absolutely. Yeah. For, for all the things that, that he was and always will be, uh, to you. I, uh, not to turn around or anything. I actually had a good cry about my dad on the way home from the failure show last night because that was our band. Mm -hmm. uh, I could go on for a couple minutes, but I won't. But that was definitely very much once he'd moved to Pennsylvania. That was we found a huge connection, uh, he and I, between that band. He blew out the speakers of his SUV from <laughs> when we bought the Fantastic Planet album. And he cranked it to an ungodly level. And the next morning, we went to go and pick up breakfast, and he turned the radio on. It was just farting speakers because he had cranked it so hard. Um, and I just I kept it together the whole show. And then as we were talking about it, and Bronwyn was talking about how much she enjoyed it and everything, I just, tears started, started coming out. Um, that band's very special to me. All right. <laughs> We've reached the end of this week's edition of the Talking Comics Podcast. As always, you can send us your comments or questions through our email, podcast at TalkingComicBooks.com. We are also on Twitter at Talking Comics. Don't forget to check out TalkingComicBooks.com for reviews from our fantastic contributors. And don't forget to check out Talking Valiant, D&D &D Adventure, Ben Disassembled, and the Ladies of Valhalla Podcast. Bob, where can our listeners find you? 
always and forever at Bob Reier at TalkingComicBooks.com. Unless, of course, I get a smart TV and we do like a Netflixy thing. But that, you know. <laughs> it's not how Netflix works. It's not? It's not how it works. Oh, that's a, such a disappointment. I don't want it now. Oh, no. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> Joey, where can our listeners find you? At Joey Ruccino. Jess? You can find me at Jarska, not on the Netflix <laughs> I am at dead underscore anchors on Twitter and Instagram. So for Bob, I had a date. (laughs) What's for Joey? Shazam. (laughs) For Jess. Goodbye. (laughs) Uh, I'm Steve. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Shazam movie review next week. Be excellent to each other. And until next time on the talking comics podcast to be continued. Like I said the other day, you're not alone because I'm here to yell at you. I yelled at Bob the other day. Well, I'm going to finger at me repeatedly. I did repeatedly about the so that's, you, that's no, not no, about, the, about that was after, this was after technology. Day, about technology. Do you, want, do you want to hear a technology story that I found out after I left you? Go ahead. Um, Steve knows our friend David, who ran the bar we all met at. Mm-hmm. He he will be moving to Spain. Oh, cool. Uh, he and his, his wife are going to retire to Spain because money travels a lot better there than here. And so he's, he was going through, oh, I've got all this. I don't want to take all these CDs and whatever. I, I put them all on my computer. So you, we'll, we'll go through these. And he's got lots of great jazz and classical stuff I'm going to go through. And some of these movies I don't need anymore. And I'm looking through this. Oh, there's this Renoir film I don't have. And there's this one over here. Is it, and by the way, you want my television? He has a 55-inch LED television set. There you go. Yes, and you're going to take that. And then, <laughs> see, I'm gonna, see, this is this is, and Dan's going to come over and hook up a switch for you, and you can have your goddamn laser discs. They're not going anywhere. <laughs> no one's making you get rid of the laser. <laughs> We're going to get you a Netflix subscription. Like, yeah. yeah. Okay. Bring so you, you can watch. All, yeah. So you can watch all the Netflix stuff with us, and that's it. That's the end of the story. Yeah, You'll, next of- week, I told you. Well, this has this one has to wait a couple of months until he moves to Spain. But he's not taking this television set with him to Spain. Don't you already have a television that's like ready to go? It's been in a box next to your front door. It's in a box in my kitchen. Yeah, but now that can be underneath it as a second television to watch two football games at once on Sunday. (laughs) Oh, Bob, that TV was there when I moved to Canada. So there I am with my finger in his face yelling at him like, you have friends that will help you. Like, you don't have to worry about it. He's like, but my laser disc. I'm like, you can keep your laser discs. I'm screaming. <laughs> okay. All right. So like, you can keep them. They're yours. We'll keep you. We'll keep you all updated. As, uh, 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 Bob's uh, technology. Bob's, yeah, Bob, Bob's uh, technocolor dream story <laughs> comes to life. <laughs>